I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm in Carter on Hip Hop Anonymous on Twitter. Use Hip Hop Statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm to the fifth element. I'll highlight the fifth element of Hip Hop, which is knowledge. I push my seat and I push for life. It's gonna work because I'm pushing it right. If Mary drops my baby girl tonight, I would name her Digging the Digits. Sometimes you just crack out the falsetto and it just comes across so smooth, so silky. Damn, that was good. Oh, no, 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 that was good. <laughs> that was great. Comeback season. Hi, Ben. How's your two weeks been? Two weeks. What have you been this to this week? First time in history. First time in history that we... Ben had a break. I can't a little, believe it. A little break. Don't normally have breaks, but... It's gonna to be tough to go through all the. Uh, well, I'm not gonna go through. I haven't actually yeah, go through listened to every that much. single record. <laughs> I haven't actually listened to that much new music, to be 100 percent honest. I've gone back into my New Music Friday uh, graphic because I want to see. So we've got Uzi, obviously, dropped the pink tape, and people have been losing their minds over it, losing their composure over it. They've been embarrassing themselves over it and i've embarrassed myself a little bit over it too because i've just said uzi saves hip-hop uzi's the greatest rapper of all time because they finally made a number one hip-hop album it's okay like you know i've listened to rebirth by lil wayne a million times and you know pink tape is not that far removed from that i think it's better i think that uzi some of the flows on here that they're getting into are freaking amazing, man. Some of the vocal tones, some of, like that, you know, I've listened to a lot of rock music and a little bit of this kind of rock music as well, not heaps of it. And this isn't that bad, man. This is not that bad, honestly. It's not that bad. It was a great first listen experience. I think with multiple listens, it's way too long. Uh, I don't even know. It's like 87 minutes or something like that. It's 26 songs. Analyzing it lyrically. You're not going to get much out of a, an Uzi Vert album lyrically. It's just it's pretty much just what you would expect. There's no lyrical turns. There's no really interesting narratives. There's a couple of tracks towards the end where Uzi does get a little bit introspective and talks about their experience with rehab, which is very fascinating and pretty painful. You know, reading through the lyrics and listening to them, them rap about it is a painful experience. So I appreciated that. And I kind of wonder why Uzi doesn't do that more. because, And I know why, because you don't go 165. 5k if you keep putting introspective deep important narratives on albums it's just not how it works anymore so but yeah man i, I enjoyed it I, I thought it was okay i don't think i'm gonna go back to it i have, certainly haven't gone back to it by choice i've only gone back to it to analyze it so I, I don't think i'm gonna go back to it again but um i can understand why people were so excited and so hyped about it uh alchemist dropped a tape it was very good i enjoyed it a lot currency and harry fraud dropped didn't really enjoy it that much, surprisingly. Um, I don't know, man. I saw a few people saying that Harry Fraud was just like on God tier level with these beats. And I was like, I really don't think so. I've heard Currency rap across a vast range of instrumentals and he can slay anything. I don't think there's any instrumental that Currency can't rap on. These were just a bit sleepy and a bit dull. They really sound like cutting room floor 
beats that Harry Fraud just had left over in his back pocket. I, I don't know, it. man. It just it wasn't ideal. It wasn't my favorite. Um, yeah, I prefer Regatta out of the two that they've done. I prefer Regatta. Same, same. I thought that was better. Uh, now we'll go to Friday. Lucky. Lucky dropped the tape. And I'm not a big fan of Lucky, but this one was pretty brutal to listen to because, you know, he's he's not just rapping about how great drugs are and how much drugs he takes and how much how rich he is. There's so much pain behind his lyrical content here and just, like, the complete oblivion that he feels like he's stuck in you know, locked up behind these walls of this prison that he's created with medications and drugs. That's a brutal listen. And honestly, he sounds like he's going to pass out for like 95% of this tape. Like it just sounds like he's on the edge of consciousness the entire time. And it makes for a really difficult listen when you actually attach yourself emotionally to his lyrics. Just, you really want him to not be in that much pain. But you know, I can understand why people are not a big fan of Lucky and, and this kind of music. It, it is a bit sleepy, it's a bit dull, it's a bit repetitive, but I honestly feel like the repetitive nature of it just hammers home the emotional impact of what Lucky's going through. That's that's just how I felt. And I didn't expect to like that album, but I liked it a lot, and I will probably go back to it a lot, I think. Um, what else did I listen to? I don't really think I listened to much else. Uh, Conway dropped that kind of collabo tape and i didn't really give it a chance i, I need to give it another spin mm-hmm. Stu bangers and chino excel dropped and i'm just listening through and then he just there's a, a koala and chlamydia reference and i was like oh man this this man is god like he's a god tier mc i fucking love chino excel i'm so gassed that he actually responds to me on on twitter he was one of the very very first underground mcs that i ever got into and him and ASAP, ASAP, ASAP Rock, not ASAP Rocky, ASAP Rock and Abstract Rude. And I'm just like, my mind was getting blown, Immortal Technique as well. And just lyrically, man, honestly, just check out Chino XL. Lyrical, spiritual, miracle individual, but not in the negative sense. Like, just genuinely fucking great. Um, and I think that's it. I think that's all I listened to. D Block Europe. <sighs> I just can't get into them. I just can't get into them. I don't understand what it is. Like, why do they have to do, like, the sing-songy bits and the... I just don't like it, man. Shoot me for it, but I just uh, tried. I've tried so many times because they're popular and, you know, they collab with legends, but it wasn't for me. Anyway, that was me, Charlie. What about yourself? So I still have a backlog. I still have, like, 11 projects I want to spin. But I did get into eight over the past two weeks, and I kept that relatively um, just... Svelte. Yeah, I just tried to. I tried. I kept it eight, and I was literally I was spinning the records for the episode, and then um, and then I had like a couple hours today, so I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna pick two and just go with those, and then the others are kind of just stuff I listened to last week. Um, but yeah, so uh, first one is it, uh, spelled I T W E, uh, papers, little EP, uh, just uh, four tracks, as far as I know, her first EP. Um, and she kind of has this interesting style to her um, that it might turn you off immediately, but it might, it might, you know, might might be something that would, uh, you know, open open your mind a little bit. Um, but yeah, decent decent lyrical uh, performance, uh, decent beats. So uh, yeah, can't complain. Solid DP. Uh, Mater, uh, spelled M A E T A. Mater. So I see him say say it. Uh, when I hear your name, oh, just. 
Oh, the sex appeal in this track. Oh, so fucking good. So good. So good. Not not quite, you know, by the fire. You know what I mean? Glass of wine. Not kind of not not that not that kind of level of uh, sex appeal. But there is just some re just oh so it just it just I mean come on the 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 names of the tracks themselves. Sexual love with James Fontenoy at the beginning. Fuck your friend. Control freak. ASMR. Kissing new people. Uh, literally a track called Sex right there. So, um, you know, you get you, you kind of know what you're getting from the um, from the track list. But honestly, uh, one of the best uh, contemporary R&B albums this year. Um, definitely one for the sh- uh, for the uh, album long list at some point when I get back when I get down to that. Um, solid features ish. Um, you know, like I mentioned, James Fontenoy, uh, Lucky Damn Clarity, uh, Ty Dolla Sign on Kissing New People. Uh, and three nationals at the end uh, for through the night, really good finish. Um, but yeah, man, she's got such a nice voice. Oh, just it's, the whole thing's just so good, so good, such a solid, solid little R and B banger. Um, Speech de Belle, Sunday dinner on a Monday. There's two projects I'm gonna challenge Ben to listen to, and this is one of them uh, because this is <laughs> so esoteric. <laughs> this is so fucking esoteric. I have no idea how to describe this album. Um, but speech basically is um, a, like, uh, you know, kind of like a, kind of like an underground legend, I would say, like in in UK space, in UK musical space. Um, um, speech therapy from oh, when when was that? Like two thousand and five or something like that. Um, I forget if it won the Mercury Prize or got nominated for the Mercury Prize. Uh, speech therapy, yeah, two thousand nine. There you go, two thousand nine. Um, but yeah, um, she really broke out with that one, and she's dropped albums since. Um, I personally haven't listened to them, but I listened to this, and um, my gosh, there's so much. There's so much going on. There's so much going on. The first track, Curry Mutton, is literally a the most poetic recipe, uh, recipe reading you've ever heard. It, the way she does it is absolutely absurd, but it it gets into this just wild space sonically where you know you're hearing different sounds and you're not quite you're not you can't you can't box this you can't label it it's actually impossible. Um, she does a bit of singing, a lot of poetry. It's just oh, just it's it's so crazy. It's such a crazy freaking album. Uh, definitely an album that you just can't listen to once and completely get it. There is no fucking way you'll get this in one listen. Um, it definitely deserves several listens. And it's and yeah, it's that it's that it's that dense. It's just super dense. Uh, Elmine, spell E L M I E N E, but the project's called Elmine because it looks that's how you say his name. Um, but yeah, um, I like the I do like the kind of beat switches that happen during this EP. Um, but there are times when I kind of want it, then then it happens and I'm happy for it, but then there's times where I was like, I kind of liked the beat before and it kind of ruins it. Um, so it's kind of a, I'm I'm kind of on the middle when it comes to, when it comes to the project itself. I like his talent. This is the first time I've, uh, spun in before. So, um, you know, I'm looking I'll definitely look forward to, uh, to more work from him. Um, but the... Yeah, just uh, sometimes the beat switch comes on and I'm really here for it and it really elevates the track and then sometimes it doesn't. Um, it's kind of hit and miss on that front. Um, but, you know, performance-wise, I enjoyed his performance, so shout out to him. Uh, Alchemist Fly High, solid EP. Um, can't really complain, apart from Larry June. 
Currency, hiring fraud, vices. Again, can't complain. Apart from Larry June. <laughs> I've been waiting two weeks to say that. Uh, splash point. I mean, just it's splash point. I just sent Charlie a, a message and I feel like I've got to start reading these out on the pod because I really think I nailed it. <laughs> I think I've got it into the groove. <laughs> it's not hard, I tell you that much. It's pretty fucking easy. <laughs> It's so it's it's just he just sticks out he just sticks out not in the best not in the best, not in the good way uh, it it just annoys me it just completely ruins it. it just sends me to sleep um anyway splurge boys jetpack flows um so one of the best duos uh, production production duos in the UK for me um comes through little little uh, care package little mixtape wrapping on stuff like good kid um rare rare beat for someone to be freestyling over but here they are freestyling over that it was pretty solid and uh, other beats as well. And uh, yeah, you know, can't complain, man. Love me some Splurge Boys. Um, always, always respect their their metal and uh, their uh, their output. And um, yeah, shout out to them. Uh, Michelle Indegiocello. Hopefully, I nailed that because I've been practicing. Uh, the Omnicord Real Book. Uh, this is the other album I'm challenging Ben to listen to because again, this is such a this is this is dense. And but it is very, very just a very easy listen. It's so good to have in the background. It feels so nice. Her voice is so nice. I was looking, I was looking her up um, because again, it's the first um, uh, Michelle record I've spun. This is via Blue Note, by the way. Shout out to Blue Note uh, Records. But um, I just, I didn't realize. I didn't realize this is just one of those artists that you kind of you, you hear and then you look, <laughs> you look them up. And then, oh shit, she just has, she's been going since like 90 fucking two and has dropped just mad, just mad good shit. Um, she's been on so many film soundtracks, so many legendary films like How Stella Got a Groove Back, Batman and Robin, Love Jones, Love and Basketball, uh, <laughs> The Best Man, Higher Learning, uh, Soul Men. It's just, it's really just, yeah, really, really odd. To, just off her Wikipedia, it's very... It's very fascinating, but um, yeah, man, just all of this, this whole record is just absolutely stupid. It's, it's so stupid to listen to. There's so many talented people all over this. Uh, uh, Jeff Parker, Corey Henry, Joel Ross, Brandy Younger, uh, Tandiswa, I love her on the, on this as well. Uh, the Hot Hot Plates, spelled H-A-W-T Plates, Hot Plates. Um, there's just, oh, just the whole album just goes so hard it's such an easy listen there's definitely some dense nature to it um i didn't i wasn't really listening to the lyrics all that hard um but oh my gosh it's such a beautiful album it's such a beautiful album to listen to there's so many flavors going on and she just it, she, the way she can just leave the album and everything else is just continuing and then she comes through and it's like she never left it's it's, oh, it's so good it's so fucking good such a great album to listen to. I definitely want to give that a spin uh, once more at some date. And uh, lastly, I couldn't, I couldn't leave the back. I couldn't le- leave this on the backlog. Could not do it. Terrace Martin, Fine Tune. Had to give this a spin uh, before this episode um, had to be done. Um, this is what I wanted drones to be, so to speak. Um, I wasn't really that into drones. Um, I was, you know, he was gassing out for so long, and then it came out, and I was just like a little bit left, a little bit flat. But this one kind of came out of nowhere and it's exactly what I'm here for. Just that good old fucking Terrace Martin 
modern jazz flavour he's got going on, and it's absolutely fucking smacking. Uh, Degnan Dreams with uh, Keon Harold uh, on there, Super Solid Snooze, which was the single, James Fontleroy here, again, uh, Kamasi Washington. Final Thought is a, is one of those tracks that <laughs> you either like or you don't. It's literally just 10 minutes of just uh, of just sax. <laughs> Other things as well, but sax mainly. Um, but past that, you get into just um, the meat of the album, Frowning Smiles with Robert Glasper on there, very good, Afraid of Malaya. Uh, 3M Traffic with Keon Harold, Alex Isley on Lebray and Stockart, banging. Brandy Younger once again on Damage. Uh, Corey Henry on Sweet uh, Sweeter. Oh my gosh, this this is this is such a nice album to listen to. Uh, really, just just that Terrace Martin shit I love so much. Here for that every day of the week, and uh, yeah, happy to bless my own day with that particular album today on this day of recording. And with that said, we should hop into our topic for this episode. Under 20 minutes, I really thought we'd go longer. But anyway, uh, hop into our uh, topic for this episode. Um, and it's one that I've been wanting to do for a while. I had it on the list for a while. And I thought since since we had, um, you know, kind of like the, the quote-unquote two weeks off, um, uh, I thought this would be a perfect time to just get into it, um, give, well, me personally, I know, Ben would listen to this whole discography in like a day if he wanted to, um, but I'm not built like that. Um, but, so it gave me it gave me personally enough time to uh, spin the discography and uh, you know just really sink my teeth into it because I feel like you know the Roots is so such a ubiquitous uh, figure in hip hop history where I feel like we've all heard the Roots in some fashion over the years if you've lived you know, live long enough, um, you just hear them now and again, for whatever reason, you just hear Roots tracks, people using them for TV shows or films or just, uh, you know, hit a shuffle and they're on there, you know, they, they have, and that's probably because they have so many collabs with so many legendary artists um, that, you know, it's, you're just bound to hear a Roots record, right, uh, or a Roots track, and that's kind of the case for me personally, um, and I'm I have a feeling it's kind of this case from a lot of people as well, where um, even in the mid mid 2010s, I was just hearing Roots tracks. Um, I was talking to Ben uh, uh, just off just before recording about it, and I was just like, I'm sure a lot of people have this kind of case where you may not listen, you may not have listened to the album, but you know who they are, you know what they've done, uh, you've you may have been to Roots picnic, who knows, right? Um, I would love to go that, but go to that. By the way, that that lineup always looks so fucking good every year. So fucking good. Um, but yeah, you know, just the roots, man. Been here for a fucking good while now. Um, obviously they haven't done a record since 2014, but you know, we still we now get Black Thought Records and Quest Loves doing award-winning documentaries and shit. And um, yeah, man, it's a fascinating story, and obviously their discography is just um, unmatched in a lot of ways. So, with that said, Ben, what have you got for us? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm similar. Like, I it, it's kind of weird that the legacy of the Roots seem to be spoken of far less than their counterparts, like Tribe, Wu Tang, Outkast, even Dila. I could be wrong in that, but just the conversations that I see, not indicative of the maybe they're not indicative of the wider conversation, but they certainly seem to be that people talk about Black Thought you know kind of separate now is this kind of underrated mc that 
has never really been given the credit he deserves, but people seem to then forget to give the Roots the credit they deserve. It's, it's, a, it's a bit odd. It, it doesn't make sense to me. And the Roots were one of the first rap acts, solo or group, to successfully pursue commercial success through critical acclaim. Questlove told Red Bull that they made it incredibly difficult for labels to drop them because even if their numbers weren't awe-inspiring, uh, no major label wanted to be seen as so commercially ruthless as to drop a you know, semi-successful group that was getting like critical claim like you know being deemed to be making really essential music and Questlove did admit to being very aware of reviews right up until the past 10 years and they definitely rode this wave of critical attention into hip-hop ubiquity as Charlie said you know everyone knows who the roots are now and I think their connection to Jimmy and Fallon will ensure their name is recognizable to almost anyone who watches commercial TV but it wasn't like they just lucked into that gig I mean that happened in 09 and their first album came out in 93 so that was 16 years of hard grind but they're not really commercial darlings they've never had a number one album their highest chart position on the Billboard 200 is number four which came in 1999 with Things Fall Apart and then two albums later they did it again with a tipping point in 04 um, their highest charting single is What They Do with Raphael Sadiq, which is number 34 on the Hot 100. Questlove admitted to Red Bull he's never really liked doing music videos or the promotional side of the music business because it never really appealed to him. His reaction, for example, to Dream Hampton trying to uh, get him into a meeting with Jay-Z, he felt like Jay-Z was the opposite. And I don't know if many people know this story, but it was about doing uh, 2001's MTV Unplugged with Jay-Z. And Jay-Z wanted The Roots to be his band in that in that like iconic performance. And at first, Questlove says in interviews he was not open to it at all because he felt like Jay-Z was the opposite of The Roots. And he actually was concerned that if The Roots were seen to be collaborating with someone like Jay-Z, then they would lose a large part of their core fan base, which it's very interesting the way that Questlove views The Roots, you know, and, and watching in interviews and the way that he speaks about it, how essential critical attention was and how essential it was that he never felt like he compromised the values of the band because his dedication to the supporters, I think he recognized that they supported The Roots despite lack of commercial success, despite this, 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 and, you know, all the things that major labels really want. And I don't think he ever wanted to fuck with that. You know, I think he always wanted to respect that attention that he got from those, and, and you know, from those 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 really hardcore fans. And we've talked a lot about like the conscious rap explosion in the the mid to late nineties, but I don't think anyone was as anti pop rap or anti mainstream as the Roots, who also went mainstream. You know what I mean? Like it's it's very fascinating. So. You know, I consider them to be one of the most experimental and difficult to imitate bands just in general, but certainly in hip-hop history, because each album is really an evolution of the previous one, but in an entirely new and different direction, and they're all a joy to unpack genuinely, even if you're not that keen on the album. It's very fascinating, and usually I think the first few songs give away the major genre that will underpin the album. For example, Phrenology is, is more of a rock album. You get Rocky, you've got The Seed. So, you know, I think that that genre definition is not a cage. It's more like a loose theme that ties the songs together. Early in their career, there was a lot more jazz, and then we moved into a lot more rock instrumentation, and then, you know, there was some a lot of strings involved, and then we got into, in the mid-2000s, more of a hip-hop, like, focus, more of a real tight hip-hop focus. And then as it progressed, it kind of went in the RZA direction, like, real 
more sparse, more ambient stretches, like, you know, very interesting that the, the different directions they go. And, you know, Questlove speaks passionately about just the art of drumming in general and how Jay Diller was so influential to him, how he felt like he was too static in the um, in the early 90s with Organics and their second album, Do You Want More? So he felt like he was getting a little bit too static. And when Jay Diller came along, he learned not to be so caught up in perfection and he feels like that was the real coming of the roots once he loosened his own playing up and was inspired by jay diller to create a different kind of hip-hop beat than he'd been used to to producing and then he said that that opened up the whole landscape for the roots they were no longer kind of pigeonholed into doing specific types of music they could create anything and i found that really fascinating quest loves a very interesting I've, I've read his book um i read it a long time ago i haven't read it in in maybe a decade um, but it's a brilliant freaking book, man. People should read it. So let me just, let's see what we have here. Because I think the most important part of The Roots is the fact that, I mean, they were part of the Soul Aquarians who were a group like the Native Tongues that defied the commercial odds and succeeded in the mainstream with music that, you know, it pushed boundaries rather than copying stereotypes. And that's very rare and it's, it's not easy to do. Erica Badu, Blau, Common, D'Angelo, Most Deaf, Q-Tip and of course Questlove these are all artists who have done this you know and it's a rare rare group and Things Fall Apart kicked off one of the greatest runs of a collective in history because the Soulquarians produced after Things Fall Apart Black on Both Sides by Most Deaf Amplified by Q-Tip Voodoo by D'Angelo these are all in a row by the way Like Water for Chocolate by Common and then Mum's Gun by Erica Badu now that is a wild wild run like genuinely wild so they've they this 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 thing that they've got is just it's rare it's very rare now black thought and Questlove formed the roots back in the mid 80s whilst attending philadelphia high school for the creative perform creative and performing arts together Questlove would drum on upturned buckets while black thought would spit bars and he would just take on all comers it was a very determined duo who they ended up winning over a countless array of musicians because The Roots currently lists 12 active members and 13 past members, including, of course, Scott Storch. So that's a lot of people that Black Thought and Questlove you know, brought into their vision. And it's not easy to collaborate. It really is not an easy thing to collaborate. So to have that vast array of musicians and still have an ethos that the band like always falls back on is fascinating, man. It's not easy to do. And that that's... That's a testament to Questlove and Black Thought as leaders, not just as band members, not just as musicians, but as leaders. And yeah, I think that's fascinating. And you know, Questlove's earliest vision was was a lot different. His father actually dreamt for his son to become a legendary session drummer. He told Red Bull, "My father's dream was for me to be a session drummer. His favorite drummer was uh, Bernard Purdy, a well-known session drummer that's on a lot of soul records of the '60s, '70s, and '80s." And Questlove's father was so committed to this dream that Questlove didn't reveal he was in The Roots until after they were recording their second album. So his father didn't even know Organics existed, which is, is wild to me. And I do want to do a little less historical fact and a little more talking about the music on this episode. So I think we'll just jump into Organics and just chat about that. Yeah, um, I feel like personally for me, I clump together because um, like you said, there's kind of just eras towards this. Like sonically, there's just things that happen in between certain albums, and for better or worse, it happens, right? I link this and do you want more in this kind of style that feels like to me just like a dram- jam session. 
They both feel like jam sessions to me, especially organics, where it literally just starts with the roots is coming and then past the popcorn, which is this five five and a half minute again, just sounds like a cipher if anything. Um and then nearer to the end of the freaking thing, there's literally a track called The Session Brackets Longest Posse Cut in History. <laughs> That's 12 minutes and 43 seconds. Um, as posse cuts go, it probably shouldn't be that long. Um, it doesn't go that hard for, for it to warrant being 12 minutes and uh, 43 seconds. But I respect the I respect the candid nature of it, where they're just that you going, we're just going to release a long ass fucking uh, a long ass fucking posse cut. But um, yeah, past that, you know, and it, and the. The, the the cipher vibes continue with uh I forgot how to say it now. <laughs> There's some tracks on there where they just use uh I think the terms ebonics, but uh yeah d- like uh, I forgot how to say it, but uh, it's embarrassing. But yeah, uh, live at the Soul Shack and they recorded live in Slovenia. Why are they recording live in Slovenia? The fact that they've even been to Slovenia at this point is kind of wild to think about. Um, but. Jeez, yeah, they, they they have a track where they recorded live in Slovenia uh, in May '93. Why not? Um, but yeah, it's just it's just, it's just it's the whole the whole album. It gives off a. It, it, with that said, it's such an interesting vibe. Um, writer's block is so fascinating. Where Black Thought is literally just rapping out of a writer's block, I guess, and then that just continues with the good music tracks, and then. Talking about grits and how you have your grits, which is a, a very American conversation that I just have no uh, no uh, what's the word uh, I have uh, no no fighter in that uh, in that. But uh, you know, feel free, you guys. What? How do you have your grits? Please, please let me know. I guess. Um, but yeah, just the whole thing, the whole album, just gives this jam session vibe. Um, Sarita's having a ba- having my baby, which is forty three seconds, and then just carrying on for one eight one and a half at the end of the album it's just a really it's, it's a nice album to listen to as it is um i just really respect the jam session nature of it it might not be it might not that's what it's supposed to be but that might not be the case um but hell it sounds like it and i enjoy it for that fact so take it how you will yeah man look i actually think that this album it kind of stands out from the trope of first album super independent nobody really heard it because you didn't really have the money to make a good album you know i always use infinite as a great example of that you know eminem didn't have any money so infinite's not going to sound like slim shady lp is it because it's, it's not but organics is not that like it it's freaking it's tight as fuck like, i actually think it's incredibly type, yeah. it's well produced it just sounds good like it sounds great it doesn't sound especially for 93 it sounds so clear and just it's, it's an amazing album and you know the scarcity around it comes not from lack of quality it comes from lack of cut through in north america so we've seen a few groups experience more success outside of america than in it early in their career for example jurassic five sub village come to mind um you know i always thought jurassic five was british they're definitely not british right i've always just had this in my head that jurassic five see what i mean like firmly not british (laughs) they blew up over them man like they and and slum village grew up in asia like it was it was crazy so 
Organics was not drumming up any major press in North America, and it was actually a DJ named Gilles Peterson who had heard Organics somewhere. Oh, Giles Peterson. Giles nice. Peterson, is it? Giles Peterson, yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. So you know him. Yeah, I know Giles Peterson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlie's, Charlie's mate, Giles Peterson. So he's not as he's not as nasty as uh, Mr. Westwood, is I he? Wish. He's he's all right. No, no, he's just a just a just a music dude, isn't it? Just, just a music dude. <laughs> so Giles, well, Giles Peterson is very very key to this story. So he heard organic somewhere, he doesn't say where, but he decided to incorporate it into his DJ sets in London. And his love for live instrumentation in hip hop had, he said, been partially satiated by the Jungle Brothers. But it wasn't until he heard the roots that he realized there was something special there. So he hopped on a plane and met them in New York. But at first, the group was pretty unimpressed with his offer. And time passed, their buzz began to grow in the UK. But it was, you know, it seemed to be quite non-existent in the US, at least in comparison. And Ryan Dillon, in his 30-year retrospective on the album, he said that the roots became a common name when discussing the underground scene in London, which is a testament not only to the music, but the promotional efforts of Peterson. I mean, he was the one who lit the flame over there. And so it was decided that they would actually move to London and start touring Europe. And then they finally found their audience. And touring basically became their promo tour. So instead of cruising around American cities in a crappy old Sprinter van and going from one radio show to the next, they were cruising through European cities and playing live for an audience who likely hadn't seen too many live hip-hop bands ever, certainly not on stages that big. And I think it's this beginning that sat with The Roots their entire career. They didn't make music for the promo tour. They made music for small but dedicated few fans that would appreciate the dedication of The Roots. They would see that dedication and that attention to detail that they were putting into this music and Black Thought's lyricism and Questlove's drumming and Scott Storch's keyboard work, you know. And obviously that following has grown significantly since Organics, but Organics started it, man. Organics definitely started it. A lot of people talk about, who are we talking about? We did Cannabis a couple of weeks ago and, you know, Wyclef was saying that so many acts have a rubbish first album and then the rest of their career, it literally doesn't matter. You don't even remember it anymore because, he, as he said, that's when you start working. And I've always not felt like Organics was rubbish, but I always felt like The Roots was a band that they put out a first album that no one really cared about and it wasn't that big, probably because it wasn't very well recorded and it was mixed poorly. And then they got a major label deal and then they had the money. But yeah, Organics is absolutely not that. And so the group basically moved to London during this period. And Questlove explained in a Guardian interview that he had a base in London from 93 to 99, or 98, sorry, um, in, uh, where was it, Kentish Town. He said, we'd go off and play France for two weeks or Germany for a month or Italy for three weeks. In between, we'd have our hub in Kentish Town above the fish and chip shop. During Thanksgiving, we only had 22 pounds to feed the entire group. So it's pretty safe to say they hadn't found the commercial footing yet, but they had found their sound. And, you know, this was a great start. It really was. No, definitely. I put myself in a Charles Peterson fucking <laughs> uh, rabbit hole as you're talking, because he's a fascinating dude on the face. Like, um, he's actually French. Did not know that. Um, but yeah, he's uh, founded a bunch of uh, labels and the Worldwide FM. Uh, the my people may 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 not know. But yeah, fascinating dude. Um, but yeah, do you want more? Kind of again comes off the back of that, and the again just feels. Just feels like a another jam session to me, um, and 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 it kind of makes sense, right? When you have stuff like 
Quest versus Razel, and it's literally just three minutes of just scratching and yeah. drumming, and, and some of them have beatboxing and stuff like that. It it really the 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 it's not until later where the outright you know we're not trying to be mainstream kind of thing comes into frame, and they explicitly say that on especially on the lyrics, but they say it with the music already. Um, this is not, this doesn't have this, um, there's a freedom to these albums, um, so far. And for all of them, to be fair, I'm, not, I'm acting like I'm teeing on something up for later, but they all have this freedom to it, um, where they don't, you know, beatboxing at this point, when, when, when the fuck, when the fuck did beatboxing go? Because it was definitely before 95. <laughs> Yeah, go you know on. B- Biz was the last, man. B- Biz was the last Biz. great. Literally, bro. Literally. At like, least nobody... in my, I could be wrong in that, but it feels like it was Probably. Biz. Like, you know, beatboxing exists still. Like, I'm not saying beatboxing is completely dead. There's beatboxers in, in the world, of course, right? But I'm saying just in this, in this, uh, on this level, when, you know, groups, uh, the group like The Roots are uh, making an album, let's just throw some beatboxing in there. Let's throw a, tra- a three-minute track of scratching versus drumming in there. Nobody else is doing that in '95. It has such a you, it's such a, a a throwback nature to it in '95. <laughs> Imagine listening to it now. It's just fucking absurd. It's so and and it's and it's refreshing. It's refreshing to listen to. Listening to Mellow My Man is so good. It's just you, you're just you're just saying it. You're listening to it. Mellow My Man. It's just you're saying it. You're saying it. You're speaking it, and you're just singing to it. It's it's so fun to listen to. It's so easy. I remain calm. Lovely track. Love that. Uh, the title track's good. Um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm I'm looking at it again. I'm looking at that. I'm looking at that track again. Like, I don't want to say it. <laughs> it's, it's freaking me out um but uh i love the unlocking at the end which is eight minutes um probably a little long but ursula rucker on that oh, just she goes off it's so nice it's so good um spoken word artist but yeah it's, um it's a very good again not something you get in 95 like, should we do it again? Should we just look up top albums in 95 and see if any of them have A, beatboxing, B, scratching, or C, spoken word? Let's see? have that conversation. You know what I'm saying? It's so... This this is something that I feel like we take for granted, right? Where, in especially retrospectively, they really just held on. They, they really held on to the core tenets of hip-hop, and I don't think they get enough credit for that. They really don't, especially with the early albums. Obviously, like you said, they're going to go down the rock route at some point, and that's fine. I'm not hating on it, but um, it's you listen to Do You Want More, you listen to Organics, and there's just such a throwback element towards it. And you, I can imagine some people, maybe at the time or now, um, hating on the fact that it's a, you know, they're a band, right? And that kind of goes against the... DJing element, I guess, of uh, and uh, how producers work in hip hop history, where you know it's not just an NPC. There's actual guy on drums doing shit, and there's actually keyboardists and uh, and uh, and etc. But fuck, man, it works regardless, bro. It fucking works. It works. It's good. It's nice to listen to. 
It's so replayable. I can just smack this on and just do shit in the background. It's so freaking solid. And then you hit, and then uh, Mel and my man comes on. Then I'm stopping. I'm jamming. It is what it is. It's a solid album. I really enjoy it. Mm. I'm just looking up who could have who could have had an album even remotely similar in '95. There is a, the group called the Nonce, which is in, you might have to spell that for me. N O N C E. Okay, literally called them. <laughs> it is literally called that. And I have heard of them before, but I've never Ooh like... Boy. Ooh boy. They're a hip-hop okay. duo from okay. Los Angeles, California that was active in the okay. 1990s. So... I don't think that's a word over there anyway, so yeah. Well, probably not in 1990, when they... I'm sure they're looking back retrospectively and being like, we probably shouldn't have called ourselves that, eh? Like, <laughs> but anyway... That was probably the only one. I mean, they're very jazz rappy. Apparently, I've never listened to them. But look, man, do you want more? Is 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 very fascinating. The roots, the roots were hip hit in Europe. They were uh, they were blowing up in Europe. Not just their album, but their festival show became a much must watch. And they're frequently described as one of the greatest live performers of all time. And this ethos of putting on a legendary show ran all the way back to their their beginning. So they were touring the continent, selling their CDs at shows, and it was really only a matter of time before they got picked up. So nowadays, a label pretty much just wants to see if you can build and maintain a following on social media before they sign you. Like That's pretty much the only thing you need to do. Um, that's a sign of marketability and success in modern music. How many followers do you have, and do they actually like you? Because you could have a million followers, and if they don't like you, then, you know. Someone said to me yesterday, they just climbed into me about my one of my Uzi tweets, and they're like, this is so stupid. This is just stupid. I'm like, bro, you follow me. like, Unfollow me then. You don't have to see my content. But that's what I mean. Like, you know, you see so many accounts on social media with a million followers and two likes on their posts. So back in the 1990s, it was a lot different. Can you perform live was at the peak because that showed that, you know, it was a huge portion of revenue for labels and artists alike. And it just showed that you had that ability to maintain a crowd and move a crowd and pull a crowd. It was such an essential thing. And the Roots were stomping across countries who didn't even speak English, converting pretty much everyone who saw them into fans. So why wouldn't a label want to sign them? And one absolutely did. DCG, DGC, sorry, slash Geffen. Did we have this fight about Geffen or was that something else? No, that was another... What was the other label that I was always mispronouncing? Oh. Remember um, that? Yeah, I forget. Can't remember. I'll think of it. But so their sophomore album was already in the works while they were being signed. And, you know, it had been since they finished recording Organics. And so it's really a sprawling record, I feel, linking two key parts of the Roots' story, which is the unfurling jazz mixed with 1980s hip-hop fundamentals of organics with more mainstream touching aspects that would see them break through on their 1999 record. So whilst Questlove and Black Thought took center stage once again, Scott Storch and Leonard Hubbard remained key parts of the production team, obviously along with Razel the Human Beatbox, who, that was brilliant, man. It is brilliant. It's, it's really nice to hear some beatboxing. And Malik B, you know, often forgotten, and I just want to talk about him quickly because he was a founding member of The Roots. And for their first four albums, he played counterpoint to Black Thought. He would kind of pop up unexpectedly and he'd add a lot of vocal variety. And I think much needed vocal variety. You know, Black Thought mm-hmm. told Variety that his influence was far more than just that. He said he kept the group together in the early days. And Black Thought said this, Malik to me was a brother within a band of brothers. 
At the point at which he and I met and started to collaborate, he helped me keep my head in the game. There was a moment early on when I went away to school, a time when I was farthest from Quest Love, who up until that point was the only other person I'd known as a partner. He continued, sorry, Quest Love, uh, sorry, Blackthought continued. Uh, Malik helped keep the roots together because once he became a part of the equation, he added a completely different dynamic, a new dimension to us as a unit. When he and I left school to reestablish the connection with uh, Questlove and Philly, I felt as if we were ready for the world. And Blackthought just said he was the missing piece of the puzzle. And, you know, tragically, he passed away at just 47 years of age. But his role is pivotal in, in the story of The Roots. And so do you want more charted 104 um, on the Billboard 200? But far more important than that is the review scores to Questlove. 81 review which for a brand new band and you know there wasn't really a commercial equivalent to the roots at the time when you think about it they had to forge their own path and i think this review score is indicative of the hype that they'd built entirely themselves and by the time geffen got hold of them all they really had to do was throw a little bit of money behind the album and it was ready to go and it definitely is a solid progression of their sound but then we get illadelph half-life which is yeah yeah uh i feel like yeah this is where you know, they just make that little change. Don't feel like a don't feel like a, a jam session anymore. Feels like they're making tracks, so to speak. Right, uh, a lot of um, incorporation of different things here. Got some jazz, got some R and B as well, um, and obviously, you know, just program drums in hip hop. Believe it or not, crazy. I don't. They actually they actually put some NPCs on this shit. Um, I don't know if it's NPCs specifically, but you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, it really has this different essence to it, and um, I feel like it's a a worthy uh, a worthy attempt to switch things up, and I feel like they do succeed in this. Um, obviously, what they do is a consistent just jam. Raphael Sadiq on that shit, just oh, filth, absolute filth, didn't just, um, unbelievable, right? Uh, this is kind of at a point where <laughs> I was asking myself, I wonder when Common's going to come into frame. And Ladi Da, he comes in on track 45, which um, for those that don't know, by the way, um, uh, the Roots uh, list their track numbers uh, concurrently. So Organics has 1 to 13 or however many tracks, and then it literally goes on from there. So if you listen to the last few albums, it's into the hundreds. So uh, just saying so you know, I five, I'm not... I'm not wrong here. Um, but yeah. Ali's never wrong. <laughs> I'm never wrong. Um, so, yeah. And again, we still have Quest versus Scratch, right? We still have these things. Dave versus Us. Very fascinating, right? Uh, with uh, David uh, David Murray, the uh, uh, saxoph- saxophonist uh, on there. And that's, uh, you know, only 50 seconds, but it's... It's it's just that just that little change, just that little like uh, like a palate cleanser, you know what I mean? Like you just just a drink of water right quick, and then you go back into it. Push up your lighter with Bahamadia or Ma- Ma- Bahamadia. I've done how to say it. I say Ma- uh, Madia, but anyway, uh, you know oh, this this is this is absurd. Uh, D'Angelo, then Q-Tip, uh, then uh, uh, Cassandra Wilson and Joshua Redman on One Shine. And then the Adventures of in Wonderland with Ursula Rucker again, supreme, supreme last four. Uh, Ital being uh, produced by the Uma, which for those that don't know is Q-Tip, Ali Shahi Muhammad, um, and and also Jay Diller. Yep. 
Um, he fucking yeah. amazing. People don't talk about that trio anywhere near enough. When was the last time you heard anyone talk about that? It's madness. Oh, well, it's, it's, it's wild. It's wild. But um, yeah, I wish they had like an actual Uma album. Yeah. Um, but they have they have plenty of um, yeah, plenty, plenty of times production can, albums. Like yeah, yeah, they they, they have plenty of uh, produ- uh, production credits um, all over the spot. But that'd be a weird. Like, imagine that. Imagine if it was that, but like just Q-Tip and Dilla rhyming. How wild would that be? Because you'd have Q-Tip on like socially conscious, and then you just have Dilla coming in rapping about like buying expensive trucks and meeting very attractive women in clubs. It would be the weirdest mix ever. Dilla was a wild MC, man. He really was. There was there was, there was nothing as sobering as uh, doing the Jay Dilla retrospective. Yeah. And then actually listening to Jay Dilla rap for the first time. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> Not what I expected. <laughs> Excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, just, yeah. Right. The, 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 the least expected money clothes hose rapper you've you'll ever met. Um, <laughs> you listen to the production, you're just like, oh, he humanizes the NPC. Bro, he's, he's so a fucking, soulful. He's a Detroit. And then just raps money hose clothes. He's straight <laughs> up Detroit, man. Like, yeah. Oh, he's, he's yeah, he's he's definitely Detroit for and for that, that was amazing. But anyway, um, but yeah, no, this album is, uh, just the features really, um, they're so purposeful. Um, there's not a, there's not a feature here that doesn't, you know, do something for the album itself. They bring in jazz, uh, jazz session artists, jazz musicians, to literally put some jazz on this record and combine it with that hip hop element that they've been doing so far, and obviously the band element, which people can. I, f- I feel like this is very easy. If if I feel like the roots, not to make this an overall, uh, I'm making this overall point now randomly, but I feel like the roots is a really good gateway for people that actually don't listen to hip-hop and actually want to get into hip-hop. Because, you know, it's it, they have this band music, but this obviously hip-hop... It's obviously hip-hop in the lyricism and everything else. I feel like it'd be a very easy just pick to just go like, oh, what what should I listen to first if I want to get into hip-hop? Go spin the roots. Go spin the roots, because you'll get, you'll get some familiarity if you've obviously listened to other music in your life. Um, but... Has that hip hop? It's it's definitely hip hop. It's definitely that. Regardless of the fact that they also have the likes of Amo Larieu and uh, and D'Angelo on here as well, uh, R and B uh, the R and B side as well, and Raphael Sadiq I mentioned. Um, yeah, this album's just a small uh, smorgasbord, uh, which I I love saying. I should say it more, but um, it really is that. It really just has this amalgamation aspect that the first two albums didn't. And uh, I feel sets a uh, sets a foundation uh, for themselves in the future. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, I think the wildest thing is the most key part of this album, and we just mentioned Jay Dilla, but I think he might be the most key. So, Questlove had yet to be properly acquainted by the time Lab Cab California dropped in '95, and I guess most artists hadn't. You know, that was the the album that showed Jay Dilla to the world. It's his introduction to the mainstream world, certainly. Now, Questlove has often spoken about his love for Jay Dilla, calling him the best rap producer of all time. But when speaking to Red Bull, he described how revolutionary revolutionary, sorry, Dilla was to Questlove's drumming process. So upon hearing his work with The Far Side, 
he said the odd time signatures and the lack of quantizing the imperfections that he saw, he claims he saw his own limitations suddenly in stark focus. And he actually blames some of the Roots' lack of progression early in their sound at his own feet. It was such a weird part of the interview where he basically said at one point, he was seen as what was wrong with the roots. He was seen as the one that was holding them back, at least in his own mind. I don't necessarily think Black Thought would have seen it the same way. Certainly when I listen to Black Thought talk in interviews, I've never heard him say anything like that. But in Quest's mind, that's what was happening. And so he once he heard Jay Diller's drum work, and uh, Questlove always didn't necessarily consider himself a hip-hop producer early in their career, but once he heard Diller... He was like, oh, shit, that's how a hip-hop beat sounds. Like, you, you don't have to be perfect every single time. And I genuinely think, you know, and Questlove says it himself, I, I do think that Dilla was a key influence on the roots in the mid-'90s and, you know, pushed them in a different direction. And like all good influence, all good influences, let's put it this way, it's not like Questlove just copied Dilla. You know, a lot of the time we talk about influences as, just people who copied someone who was, did really well. Like, so many people have copied the sound of 808s. It doesn't mean that they're great artists because they copy. Like, I'm not saying that the Roots are just copied Jay Diller. That's absolutely not what happened. And that's why I think it was so important for the Roots to do this because they were moving into the late 90s when things were just getting flashier in hip-hop, flashier and flashier. I mean, 95 was okay, but once you hit 96, you've got... You know, Jay-Z dropping, you've got uh, Biggie was about to drop the next year. Like, it was, you know, starting to get into the commercial zeitgeist of hip-hop. And they got their first big commercial break because what they do hit number 34 on the Hot 100, which is a wild achievement. 34 is not fucking easy to hit, okay, guys? Like, it's really not. You think that, oh, 34 is not top 10. Top 10, you're not going top 10. This is the the Hot 100. This is not the hot R&B hip-hop songs. This is like pop fucking royalty on this list. Like, you know, I can't even remember who was around because I was 96. I wasn't wasn't really in the game at that stage. But there were a lot of pop artists who were at the pinnacle at this point. So they would never achieve this again. They would never get that high on the Hot 100. And Raphael Sadiq slid on the hook. And the song was picked up by MTV who began to promote it. And the controversy helped. And I think... The best way to explain this track is to recall the words that Questlove said about Jay-Z, for example. You know, that Jay-Z was the opposite of what the roots were, and he was the ultra-consumerism, materialistic king of the bling era. I mean, he invented swag. He told us that he did. I invented swag. So he was everything the roots were not at this point. They were not flashy. They didn't don the shiny suits. They And they, they inhabited this, like, knowingly and willingly this is the the, the the what they wanted to project into world they were raw and gritty and they were obsessed with the story of people rather than the story of wealth which was obviously the opposite of what was happening in the bling bling era so the video to what they do was a parody of this bling era of rappers indulging themselves and flaunting their wealth and their success. So Biggie even took offense to a scene that he felt was mocking his One More Chance video. And Questlove even wrote in his autobiography that he uh, wrote an apology letter to Biggie and he wanted it printed in the source, which I always found a bit weird. Like, if you're apologizing, why do you need to put it in the source? Like, what would that... Just send it to Biggie? Like, I don't know. That, that just was a bit weird to me. But unfortunately, he passed away 
um, before he had the chance to put it in motion. But uh, allegedly, the video was so influential that allegedly the Mad Rapper skit on Life After Death is a response to it's rumored to be a response to that very video. So that 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 obviously propelled Questlove and Black Thought into the super mainstream. It's the same as um, How to Rob by Fifty Cent, for example. Like you're gonna get people talking if you start pissing off the like commercial giants then yeah you're gonna get people talking and as usual the context was lost on the wider audience um i've always taken the album to be genuinely a stark juxtaposition between the flashiness of mainstream rap and the poverty that so many americans find themselves in and i think this was hammered home further with the common link up um and including both d'angelo and q-tip on the album just gave it more authenticity in this direction and has a 76 review average which is a little bit low considering i've always seen this as like a classic album that people talk about and they're like illadelph half-life is is a classic so to get a 76 i always thought it'd be a bit higher than that but anyway yeah it's it's the start to me this is the start of the roots as a movement more so than just you know a bit of a fun obscurity that is doing like semi-decently commercially but underground heads really know about it and love it um i feel like illadelph half-life was yeah the the progression of that yeah and it adds on to the um while pete while you know the likes of biggie can find can attempt to find disrespect in what they're saying here and with the work they do um the proof's in the pudding. <laughs> like the proof is in the pudding. Nobody, uh, well, I would say nobody, but you know, there's 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 a there's a way of doing things, and I feel the way they did Illadelph Half Life was just a a masterstroke. Honestly, like having that jazz element, having the R and B elements. Again, this wasn't now. While the other two felt like felt like throwbacks, Illadelph felt contemporary for the time um but it just had just it just had that extra it just had the extra source and it kind of leads into things fall apart which is i think the reason why this album is loved so much in the same way as illadelph but even but just pumped up to 11 yes. um is the fact that it has just this alternative nature to it now the word alternative is so loaded obviously but that's the only word I can think of at the moment because I don't know, and maybe there are right. Obviously, there's plenty of um, there's plenty of artists that um, have uh, that do read or you know have travelled the world and are you know and, and don't just do the money hose clothes kind of rap, right? But the way the roots applied it to things fall apart, especially you know the artwork. Right for one thing, um, is a uh, taken during a riot in the civil rights movement era. Uh, I think it was uh, yeah. Here we go. In the stark black and white photo, police riot police are seen chasing two teenagers on the streets of Bedstay, um, and yeah, bang up right. Just that meaning right there. Like who the f- who the fuck's adding that? Who the fuck's putting that on the out on the artwork? The artwork is so striking. It is super striking to me. One of the best artworks, just and obviously it's just a photo, uh, you know, f- photography. And they have and they do do this again uh, with Undone. Um, I saw the original photo of that the other day. I was like, damn, it's kind of fire. Um, that even that was taken right. 
And then you got the meaning of the name. Um, the album title comes from uh, Chinua Chibi's uh, novel with the same name, Things Fall Apart. Um, now, Chinua Chibi was um, a Nigerian uh, novelist, uh, poet, and uh, basically the the guy. The guy, if you want to get into modern African literature, um, and Things Fall Apart is that, is that... It's that magnum opus, you know, it, and that dropped in '58. Uh, that book, um, for the for those who don't know, the book is uh, basically a depiction of um, uh, pre-colonial uh, Nigeria, and also depicts the invasion of the Europeans during the late 19th century. Um, I haven't read it myself, um, but there's, I mean, shout to Apex Zero who um, told me about it because um, he spoke about him a lot during our interview. And just on the face of it, I mean, you can go look it up on Wikipedia and you can look at the cliff notes. It's really striking. Um, and I don't th- I don't know whether it's up to you, you know, if you've read the book, whether the roots actually nailed that um, essence in terms of what the al- in terms of the album's content, and if they, um, if they, if it was as powerful as the book itself, because I feel like if you're going to do that, if you're going to call it after that, it has to pack some punch. That's up to you. Um, I haven't read the book, so I don't know. But it's there. It's there. And the fact that they even attempted to do something like that and link it to something like that is respectable um, and very fascinating. Um, but yeah, going into the album itself, um, it is, I think, it's one of those albums for me that I, I, I go into it with kind of like a kind of like a cautionary aspect because I feel like people talk about this album a lot and I find that while they talk there's there's kind of like a, a, there's a there's a separation here I feel where people put this really high and the and, and you know don't talk about the other albums and while I get it I feel like there are the the there are other roots albums that are as good if not better um but I feel like in the moment this album worked because of the landscape that you were um, that you were laying out when it came to Illadelf. Um, now this dropped in '99, which is obviously a, a few a couple of years into the future um, from '96. Oh yeah, fun fact. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you want to guess the number one song from '96, uh, uh, but uh, let's just say um, there are only two rappers, or well, a rap group and a rapper. In the top twenty, and that's just all I'll say. In ninety six, um, yeah, yeah. Snow wasn't the informer that that year. That was, uh, was, was Bone Gangsta- Thugs and uh, and uh, a couple of LL Cool J tracks. Um, was it? Where was Gangsta's yeah. Paradise? Was that not that year? Um, well, maybe, maybe. I, I'm not, I haven't looked through the whole list, but yes, yeah, it's, it's not there. And uh, shout to Macarena on the uh, on the number one there. Fuck, I tell you what, man, that was a banger. Hey, I'm not going to lie to you. That was one of the first slaps in musical history. Hey, oh, Macarena. Hey, Macarena. Hey. Banger. It sounds like they say it, aight, and it just, it just makes, it, makes it that much better. So, aight. So glorious. Um, but yeah. Um, obviously, this album is anchored with... Um, uh, uh, you got me, and I would also say Double Trouble, um, with with uh, with Common <laughs> with Mo- with Mo's Deaf is on that as well. 
I just love the Run DMC nature of that track. Um, it just, I fucking love it. I love it. Uh, there is nothing I love more than two rappers in one verse just trading the mic. Is so there is nothing that energizes me more really? from a hip hop perspective than two than two rappers just like literally f- sounds like they're physically just gi- giving the mic and taking it again. It just oh, I love it. I, I feel the opposite. The it's so weird. I don't like that. It's oh, one of my I least favorite. It. I love it. Wow. I love it. I love it. That's a you problem. Um, That's a massive yeah, problem. Act- Act two, love my life with common bangs. Um, shout out to Dice Raw, by the way. Um, another kind of just frequent collaborator that comes up. Um, I, I value his work on here as well. Uh, Beanie Seagull on Adrenaline. Uh, yeah. Um, underrated Eve on You Got Me, actually. Yeah. I don't feel like people don't talk about Eve on, on, on You Got Me. I like her on that. Um, the Next Movement with DJ Jazzy Jeff. Mm, so good, so good, so good. Love that track. To death. Um, but yeah, I do feel like this has, there's a, I don't want to say overhype, I guess I'm saying overhype, but I just feel that this album, while it is great and deserves the, the you know, didn't it, didn't it win a Grammy? Uh, nominated for, no, nominated for Best Rap Album, it won the 2000 Grammy for Best Rap Performance by performance, uh, by Dual Group, there you go, um, and lost to Slim Shady LP on the Best Rap Album. So while I think it deserves <laughs> the Lee said, it's there. Just let it let it lie. Let it lie. Um, let sleeping dogs lie. Um, but yeah, it's while while I get the while I get and understand and agree with the with the ac- ac- uh, the accolades it got and the love it still gets to this day. Um, I do feel like the moment really elevated what this album is and i can imagine there was a lot of fans of this album that were listening to this and then just you know shouting down their friends or or if they're like radio djs going like this is real hip-hop okay nothing on the shiny suit shit the real real hip-hop with with soul you know what i mean this is this is hip-hop this is true hip-hop you know what i mean i can see i can see some um I can see some snobby people um, getting into this and just really guessing this up. And again, I agree. This album is a banger. And it, and uh, like you said, it, it comes into the um, the legendary Soulquarians um, uh, limited discography. Um, and I feel it. I feel the like water for chocolate ness of this of this album. I feel the Mama's Gun ness and the voodoo ness. Of this album because they all come from the same same uh, session. the same sessions literally the same <laughs> session literally the same sessions and the same uh, studio and it's uh you know it's it's great from a from a, I respect this album uh especially from a history history perspective because I just love the Soul Koreans as a concept um but yeah man I I do feel the moment really elevated this album to more than it was but as it was it's still a great album. Brilliant, man. And that's interesting that you say that because um, I never really... Oh, gosh. I tell you what, man. This stupid little boom thing on my mic. Just stay there for fuck's sake. I think that... Uh, I think you're right. And I never I never really understood it until you just said it. But I, I think you're 100% right. I think the moment 99.9, you know, most deaf and Talib Kweli are Black Star and, you know, Tribe Called Quest had exited. So someone needed to kind of fill that role in the mainstream. Tribe Called Quest were mainstream. Like, 
genuinely mainstream. 98, Love Movement went number three or number two? Number three, behind... Number three. ...Aquemini and Volume 2. I tweeted about it a couple of days ago. So, you know, that was the end of of Tribe. Because, yeah, that, that album is... We like it, but when it came out, you know, people were like, oh, so Tribe's done, you know? So, like, you know what I mean? So, this criminal, is, this, criminal. This is definitely... Kangaroo Court. Say again, sorry. Kangaroo Court. Kangaroo Court. Is that a term in, in the rest of the world, or is that just an Australian term? Um, I, I, I know it. I knew it. I knew it before Boris Johnson falsely claimed he his shit was in a kangaroo court. Oh, uh, I see. It yeah, was... I, I knew I knew the time beforehand. I hope, hopefully, yeah. So, I, well, for those that don't know, kangaroo court is basically like you know a rigged court, basically. Like, yeah, put it simply. Weirdo right wing politicians like to use it when they get held to account for their shit house. Yeah, they're literally, actions. literally. Yeah, oh, it's a kangaroo court. Like, no, it's not. You just <laughs> bad right wing politicians held to account. Oh, it's all happening to me. Witch hunt. Mm, kangaroo court. Yeah, mm. I'm, I'm waiting for Donald Trump to say kangaroo court. There you go. That's how you know Americans don't say kangaroo court because Donald Trump, Donald Trump said hasn't it. said He it. says witch hunt. Kangaroo witch court's hunt. like another version of cancel culture, but a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cancel culture, yeah, all that boy. So this is this this album is when things came together for the group. Uh, Scott Storch actually left. He was replaced by Kamal Gray, um, although he does definitely still get a keyboard credit on here. There's the addition of live strings, um, violin and viola pop up on multiple tracks. There's a synthesizer credit, which there hadn't been prior. It's hard to overstate the influence of this album because it did start that iconic commercial run of the Soul Quarians, which was a full decade after the Native Tongues themselves had burst into the mainstream in, you know, 89, 88. So number four on the Billboard 200. Now remember the Black Star chart of 53, right? And Black on both, start, Black on both sides charted number 25. It's th- that's a big difference. 21 places above is a massive, massive difference. I can't explain... And, you know, those two albums we see as conscious rap slash commercial crossover icons. But, you know, things fall apart. I was like stomped it in, man. And, you know, the Roots ripped the playbook up. They carved a commercial lane for the anti-bling rap. And if we're going to find a modern example, genuinely, imagine a Griselda album going number four this year. Imagine Conway or Mark Homme or Rock Marciano going number four. That's... Uh, serious man their last album what did it go like 104 or something or, or t- less than maybe 25 i don't know i need to go back but seriously i think this was a this was a massive massive thing and it's kind of unsurprising because it was as charlie said it was peak soul quarians you know Questlove describes recording recession recording sessions as just free association jamming uh voodoo mama's gun like water for chocolate were all recorded during the same sessions and this reminds me a little bit of Moni Love's experience with the Native Tongues, you know, when we did that episode and she was talking about uh, people just coming to the studio, but obviously it was a lot different. They had to, you know, go down to a payphone and call someone and say, hey, come to the studio because this person is, and everyone will be in the studio together. Um, and, you know, Questlove actually claimed the collective had completed 145 songs for this album. So they cut 131 songs out. Like, that's a, that's madness. And the album opens with a sample from the 1990 movie Moment of Blues, titled Quest Love Borrowed for His Own Book, which is a brilliant, brilliant read. Um, and the final line comes from Harry Allen. It says, inevitably, this is the, the, the book, hip-hop records are treated as though they are disposable. They are not maximized as a profit uh, as a product, not to mention art. Sorry, not the book, the, the, the skit. And needless to say, this was a fact that was 
shared by both RZA and The Roots, which is slightly ironic considering many critics claim the darker sound on this album was actually inspired by RZA's gritty soundscapes that were littering mainstream music in the mid-90s, and it's a concept The Roots have carried with them their whole career. You know, Questlove spoke to Red Bull about every album being a response to the previous one, a conscious progression. He calls them departure records at times, and I think this is in stark contrast to how music is consumed and created today, for example. You know, it's in bulk for bulk consumption via a bulk audience. You know, there's no deviation or change because those are things that are scary and might turn listeners off. Unless someone is brave enough to do something totally different and then it succeeds and then everyone just copies that. You know, that's not art, that's marketing. And I definitely feel like that skit at the start really set this album up separately. Like, this is an artistic expression, even if it is commercially successful, even if it is popular, it is is a deviation and I, I respect that a lot and you know uh, yeah I, I think that this album as Charlie said it it's not one that I've ever gone back to regularly obviously I came in in the next one phrenology that's the album that I came into the roots in and obviously I went back in time and I really did enjoy Illidelf Half-Life but I never really enjoyed Things Fall Apart that much it wasn't an album that I was like oh yeah this is like I can see this, this is killing it like you know it didn't really hit me that hard so I do agree with you. I think it was more of the time probably, you know, than something that you look back in retrospect and be like, oh, wow, yeah, that was completely different and totally special. I'm not saying it wasn't, but, yeah, it just didn't hit me as hard as some of their other work. Yeah, and uh, shout to Jill Scott, who um, did the vocals at first uh, for uh, You Got Me, and then they in Erica to do it, which is kind of interesting. I was I, I always wanted to listen to the Jill Scott version just to see how it is. Um, but she does get an opportunity, um, Miss Jill Scott. She does get that uh, with complexity on the next album, Phrenology. Um, do I need to explain Phrenology? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, bro, the cover. Okay, I'll tell you something. Like when I was younger. This was one right. of the albums. So there were there were one, two, three, four, five. I've written them down here. There were five I meant albums. The term phrenology, by the way. Yeah. So there were there were, there were five albums that were essential to me. Blueprint two, LL Cool J's ten, paid the cost to be the boss. It ain't safe no more by Buster Rhymes and Phrenology by the Roots because of that album cover. That's literally the only reason. Like I was Very like, eclectic five. bro, that album cover is fucking sick. And I have to check the good. album out because that album cover is so cool. It made me go look up phrenology and learn about it. Like it's fucking mad. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. It's wild, right? I was only 14. So like, you know, I didn't know that's about wild. that shit. Yeah. That's yeah. That must be, that must have, that must have, uh, open open some doors. Yeah, it's weird. Um, yeah, look 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 up how much sound this goes or something. Um, but yeah, phrenology. For those who don't know, um, it is a pseudoscience, um, and it involves uh, measurement of bumps onto skull and yes. skull shapes, and it's basically racism. Um, that uh, you know, for you know, black people have certain types of skulls and that means this is that true i didn't realize it was in that way i mean it become i mean it may may have like started off as a thing that uh, that wasn't racial but then it quickly got racial Oh, that's fucking Um, i didn't know that shit god damn it um but yeah uh i mean it's it's it goes it goes back to i think like greek so yeah no this is uh, may, maybe Greek or Egyptian, something like that. So you know, um, it it, go, it goes back a ways, but at some point, yes, it does. It does get um, very racial. 
Anyway, Phrenology, the album itself, shall we do that as well? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it has, uh, like you said, it has this, you know, rack rock. I said rack rock. Yeah, rack rock. What's rack, rack rock, rock, Charlie? Rack rock. <laughs> rack rock. Rap rock. Rap rock. Uh, it has as that element, obviously, uh, uh, for a lot of it. Uh, most notably, The Sea 2.0, which I mentioned at the intro. Absolute banger track. Just one of those tracks that you hear for whatever reason. Absolute tune. Big tunage on there. Ursula Rucker back once again on the 87th track. Haha, <laughs> see what I did there. Um, that's only for 18 seconds. But then it gets Rock You. And then there's just a track with. I don't know, six exclamation marks. I was just like, okay, yeah. it's random. Um, I just love the, I just have how the, uh, the, some of these tracks are just so pointlessly short sometimes. Um, and I don't know whether it's even worth it most of the time, but um, oh, it, the end of the end of this album is so beautiful to me. I rarely like songs that are 10 minutes long. Um, and Water continues on, <laughs> continues on that trend because it goes on for so long. What's going on? What goes on during that track? It just, after like six minutes, it just gets into this weird space and I I have no idea what ca- happens anymore. It's so weird. Um, but it finishes off nicely after that with Quills, Pussy Galois, kind of... I like Pussy Galois. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, all right. Yeah, but yeah. but okay. no, it's it's it's, 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 it's it. Um, but then complexity with Jill Scott, nice. Something in the way of things. Seven minutes with the Miri Baraka on there. Oh, so fucking good. Again, for those that don't know Miri Baraka, I just have to. I feel like I have to explain this shit because it's just it's so fucking important. But um, uh, Miri Baraka, um, legends in the black arts movement, which happened kind of like ten years before hip hop came about. Um, poet. Uh, mostly drama, fiction, essays. I think he did music stuff as well um, in terms of like critique and stuff. But yeah, just bro is yeah important, important figure in the Black Hearts movement especially and it's highly respectable that they put him on this um, for the end of the album. I really enjoyed that, uh, enjoyed that part of it. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, again, a departure record um, for the group where they in, in implement this rap rock nature of it, um, but still stays true to somewhat the essentials that the roots have and um, is it's, it's very respectable. Even at this point, when they're, what, five albums in and... I can still listen to the albums and regardless if it's Illadelph where they implement R&B or jazz and or jazz and then Phrenology where they implement rap rock, it still sounds like a Roots album, which is so fascinating how consistent they keep the essentials, but on the outer flavors still manage to change things up and, and it doesn't feel alienating. It doesn't feel distasteful. It doesn't feel like they're forcing it. It just feels comfortable every time. Every time you press play, press play, it feels very comfortable. Um, you may like, you may there may be you know some tracks here and there that are just a bit eh, um, but shit, man, the whole album itself just it just keeps on working. It definitely does, man. It definitely does. And phrenology is weird though. Like I always felt like this album didn't get. <laughs> Not that it didn't get 
credit it deserved, but let's just say the rhetoric around it, because I was around this, I was outside. I was outside at this point. Touching grass. Touching multiple things of grass. I, it's t- touching grass just means being outside, right? It doesn't, it doesn't mean yes, something. It's, it's not a sexual thing, right? No. <laughs> okay, good. I'm just, because... You know, this is. I mean, the way you said that, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, as I said it, I didn't mean it in that way. But then I was like saying (laughs) it. I'm like, this sounds really nasty, and I don't mean it in that way. I'm not saying that. It's not what I'm saying. It's just, yeah, you're touching grass. You can't do that inside. You can't touch grass inside. Well, I've never, I've never been outside, so that's just all life for me. But what what I mean is. This was like I was around. I was I was reading reviews. I was reading stuff in the source and Double XL, and I was reading yeah. what people were talking about on online forums. Right. You know, it take yeah. you twenty minutes to load an online forum back in two thousand two, but once it loaded, <laughs> I tell you what, it was a good it was a good couple of hours debating with random strangers on the internet about the roots and phrenology. But yeah, people didn't like the sound when it came out. Now here's is that an eighty seven review average? I think. Let me just scroll down here. I've I've said it at the end somewhere, but like it was really well reviewed. But people didn't seem to like it at first, and that was weird to me because the Seed Two Point is just one of the most iconic songs in hip hop history. It has one hundred twenty three million Spotify streams, which is only just below what they do as the Roots' top, which is one hundred thirty seven. So that just shows you how essential that song was and when you hear it it's just such an earworm it was everywhere when i was a kid honestly i don't even think it charted but like it was you know it was the thing it was the song and you know the roots are very interesting in this in this stage of their career because their last album had done very very well commercially and I think everyone was just expecting them to do literally the same thing again. But going in this more rock direction, especially at a time when new metal was at its absolute pinnacle, and for then the roots to be so anti-commercial, anti-materialism, anti-pretty much everything that new metal is, I don't know. I've never heard them talk about this. I've never heard Questlove or Black Thought say anything like this. But I do wonder if this album was a response to that. If this album was like, oh yeah, we see you, Limp Bizkit, you know, we see you, Twenty Eight Days, we see you, all these new metal bands, we can. This is what rock and rap should actually sound like. I don't know if that was their intention, but I think you know, it's a brilliant album to me. It really is. Uh, it's probably my least listened to of those five that I mentioned prior, but not because because it was hard to get your hands on back then. Like genuinely, the album was very, very expensive and it's very difficult to get your hands on like physical copies of the vinyl now. It's it's, it's very expensive. Um, and it just didn't have that commercial pull that the other four did that I talked about. And I think this was just like a weird ground for The Roots because I think they actively tried to do something very different to their last album. Maybe they were even a little bit turned off by the commercial success of their last album, but... It just didn't happen for them. Like they were never gonna not be commercial after that album. People were definitely gonna come back and check this album out. And maybe that is why I have this impression that people weren't as excited about it as the reviews seem to suggest, because it wasn't the same as their previous album. And maybe because they gathered such a much larger fan base on Things Fall Apart, and then that fan base hadn't been with them for the previous three records. They didn't understand that the Roots would just switch things up and change things up. They weren't just going to keep creating the same album over and over again. And maybe that new fan base that they'd accumulated hadn't 
just didn't realize that. So when phrenology came out, people consumed it on the first week, but then after that, it, it, it dropped off a little bit. And, and maybe that's why, because in retrospect, the album is seen as a, as a brilliant album, but at the time, people weren't fucking with it as much as that, you know? It's interesting. Yeah, and uh, it gets into the tipping point, which is a very, a very apt uh, <laughs> album. Things, the 2000s is a weird time for the Roots, man. Like, honestly, a weird fucking time. Dad's on. Dad's on. Adds on to that motif, 2000s. Fucking weird. Yep. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, it's apparently uh, named, named after Malcolm Gladwell's book of the same name. Was not aware of that. Um, well, d- just on that, do you think that The Roots, because obviously their last two albums, Undone and, and Then You Shoot Cousin, are both like deep concept albums. I, yeah. I'm not classing things for part, phrenology, tipping point. They're not game theory. They don't feel like concept albums to me, but... There is the implication that there's a strong concept behind them because if you name your album Phrenology, that's a that's a evocative title. You know, you name your album Game Theory. These are evocative titles. Like, do you think that there's any of that 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 concept runs through any of those albums? And if not, do you think that's a bit nasty that they would call an album Phrenology or you know Tipping Point and then not? Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Honestly, um, I was trying. I was trying to figure out what the what the link, you know, the links were, um, and or are they just doing it to just because you know, in the words of Charles Michael Michaels, because it's provocative. Guess the people going. Um, Fuck yeah! <laughs> now that is a fucking pull, man. I'm stoked for you there, like. Well played. That came out of left field too, because I know you didn't prepare that one earlier. That was just on Charlie's mind. <laughs> Did not prepare that Fucking one. Legend. That's well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, so uh, that is a good. That is a good. Um, you know, just thing to throw out there because again, these are provocative names. Tipping point, linking to the Malcolm Gladwell book, which again, I haven't. I haven't spun. I have no idea what it's about. Um, Apparently's debut book. Who knew? Um, but yeah, it's uh, it it may it may just be that it may just be that. Um, I I'm trying. I was trying to listen and also trying to gauge, you know, where does the where does it where does the you know where does game theory yeah. fit into these? Where does the tipping point fit into these? Where does phrenology fit into these? I feel like the tipping point though. Um, I think does maybe hold something towards the name i'm reading i'm literally reading as i'm talking the uh just the cliff notes of what uh, malcolm gladwell book is about um he defines it as quote the moment of critical mass the threshold the boiling point and the book seeks to explain describe the, my- the mysterious sociological changes that mark everyday life um okay that sounds very <laughs> sounds very malcolm gladwell um but you know, I feel like there's something there's something to that when it comes to the tipping point. Um, this is an album that I'm very fascinated with. I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, I, it's maybe my favorite out of the bunch. Um, the, even the one uh, from the ones I haven't listened to uh, before. This is a fresh one for me. Um, I love how Pitchfork gave us a five point four. Fucking hell! Let me just read that in a bit. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna save that for myself. But oh, I just I adore these, the, the, especially the lyrical 
aspect. I feel like Black Thought just went off on this one. It's it, on on web, web. Fuck. He went off on web. It doesn't make sense. I just and stay cool is such a good. Oh, the hook on that is so fucking sticky. I think it sampled something. I forget what it was. Um, but it's so fucking sticky. Web is absurd, and I I don't want to spend this whole time, you know, referencing Black Thought lyrics because we could do that literally for every album, for pretty much every song. Um, but God, it's so that this whole oh, just read, please, just read, just please read the lyrics for Web. Like, there's, there's so many fucking bangers on here. Oh my gosh, it's so good. To get more chips in the corner store with a portrait of Malcolm X on the door while I'm eating MCs like a carnivore. It's just, oh, so fucking good. So fucking good. It's so easy to read. It's so fucking great. Um, But I just, um, yeah, I, 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 th- I feel like this is a, in the opposite way of um, things fall apart, um, getting that of the moment gas, I feel like this got of the moment hate. And I think, uh, retrospectively, this album just really hits for me. It is so, you know, it has, that, it has the, um, I think, a long-ass run time for some, I think, on uh, as it is now. It's 54 minutes in, uh, in, in on streaming, but it previously was 65. I'm glad it ain't 65, let's just say that, because um, I can imagine that being a bit much, but whether it's in its 54 form so much tighter the songs on this are so freaking nice to me i don't care don't say nothing guns are drawn stay cool web somebody's got to do it ah oh, uh there's some there's so many just gems in here for me personally um and yeah i, I feel like this album is incredibly just unliked as i read this 5.4 score from <laughs> from Pitchfork and uh, prepare to be killed Nick Sylvester uh, lyrically because I just need to understand why you hate this album so much. Well, this is this is interesting. So Questlove told Fader that they had major label issues after Phrenology and right around the recording of The Tipping Point. Now, Dr. Dre actually stepped in to save The Roots, believe it or not, but it was not all smooth sailing. So Questlove recalls a meeting with Jimmy Iovine who was to decide the major label fate of the group. Now, as Questlove tells it, Jimmy plays the seed, and Jimmy, uh, sorry, he plays Jimmy the seed, um, and Jimmy Iovine reacts like he's heard it for the very first time, and Questlove was like, oh, no, like, we could be in real trouble here. So Questlove then goes on a long tangent about their lack of marketability, but he actually does name drop 07, which is fucking epic. Um, He's a music nerd, so I appreciate that. And Jimmy Iovine realizes that Scott Storch was once a part of The Roots. And apparently that is just Jimmy Iovine's like, oh, okay, we'll sign you then, we'll keep you, no worries, which is such a weird only reason and and because they had a white guy do some keys well it might not be the only reason that jimmy Iovine kept him i don't want to put those words in their mouth that reason yeah it was certainly the impression i got from quest love's words like it was a bit of an uphill struggle until jimmy Iovine realized scott storch was once part of the roots and so anyway he says this um quest love says this he 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 actually blames his distaste for the tipping point because Questlove doesn't like this album. Questlove does not like this album. And he blames that on, on Jimmy Iovine, indirectly, I think. But still, he says this, and I'll quote him, and you can make up your own mind. He had so much stand-at-attention energy. Suddenly, he's sitting in the chair like this. 
That's the first and last time I'll ever create an album specifically for someone's taste. I'm not trying to say that the tipping point's my red-headed stepchild, which is such a weird thing to say. It's ironic we're circling back to the fader right now. Now imagine getting straight A's your entire life and then you get a C minus. So that interview was in fader, right? And fader gave it a C minus. And this really upset Questlove, like genuinely upset Questlove. So Questlove continued saying, I remember my publicist playing the tipping point for whoever was the editor-in-chief at Fader at the time. He hated the record. Now, mind you, since 1992, I've never experienced any pushback from any critic whatsoever. I knew I had critics in my pocket. So I remember going to my publicist like, all right, all right, what do they say? What do they say? She's like, well, I don't know. I never experienced that before. I'm like, wait, you know what? She's like, this is such a confusing back and forth. She's like, he said he needs time with it. So this is about the editor-in-chief. I never had a situation where no one's ever said how high when I tell them to jump. Oh, God. Such a weird, such a weird, like, little section. Um, and he continues. And then the Rolling Stone review was just three stars. And this new thing I never heard of called Pitchfork. It's so funny you mentioned Pitchfork. What's a Pitchfork? We got 5.4. What the hell is that? We never experienced that shit. Oh, my God. 2004 is one of the worst. Now, as a 50-year-old, I appreciate the idea of failing and learning lessons from it, but in real time, to experience 2004 was just a crazy experience. Why is everything getting stripped away from us? So that's the last time I'll ever try to cater an album to the taste of someone that has my life in their hands. So Questlove was upset, very upset at the poor reviews that these got. And, you know, why was it not received very well? Because it was a bit of a shocking album. You know, there were sprawling jazz stretches, there was slam poetry, there's some weird instrumental interludes. They're all gone. The the things that made, you know, the roots, the roots, they just kind of disappeared completely. And instead, you know, you kind of have almost the antithesis of Questlove's Jay Diller observation about quantizing. Where Diller refused it, it feels like Questlove demanded it on here. It feels like they were trying to create a very, very tight hip-hop album with, you know, live instrumentation, but almost like, let's make it sound like it's not live instrumentation. It's it's weird. Somebody's got to do it with Gene Gray as a triumph, I think. Skates. Um, Webb is like an early 90s throwback. Boom keeps that same energy, maybe even taking it back to the 80s. Don't Say Nothing is basically a Dr. Dre beat, and it's created by Scott Storch in that style. And I think that that song really highlighted to me the problem with this album. That's a Scott Storch beat, right? Scott Storch 93, little bit different to Scott Storch 2004. Totally <laughs> fucking different landscape, bro. Fair point. And if Fair you want to go like read about, or maybe we should do an episode on Scott Storch one day because his story is fascinating. Yeah. In the mid 2000s, he was at the fucking pinnacle and he was happy to spend the money that he was making at that pinnacle. But that's why this song, like that song would have sounded good on The Massacre by 50 cent sounds very weird on a roots album you know very weird and I, that's why i think the album didn't hit as high but it went number four i think on the billboard 200 yeah it went number four so yeah it was a major label album and it was a it was more way more mainstream than anything they'd done and i think that's why it was it was criticized when we get game theory that's all fair points but nick sylvester can eat a dick for this one line saying sadly the roots seem to be following the black eyed peas lead on the tipping point and not just musically. Get fucked. Bro, imagine, Get imagine like this fucked. person who wrote that just like randomly like wakes up at 2am and like, fuck, I did say that, didn't I? 
God damn it. The, the thing is, I was reading the review while you are talking, I was just like, okay, I can see the point made, the points being made here, but then you just went ahead and said that, and I'm just like, all right, there you go. There you go. You, you showed your ass. Well done. <laughs> you idiot. Um, yeah, so are we on Game Theory? Game Theory. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I do enjoy this album, and again, I was wondering the Game Theory element towards it and just trying to figure it out, uh, just why it was called that and if there was any particular reason why, etc., etc. I love the random addition of on the Wikipedia saying... Uh, Mostly, mostly used uh, ad, uh, Apple developed software application GarageBand. It's like okay, and <laughs> yeah, but that was a big thing uh, back then. Like if someone used, yeah, I guess their iPad. That, that, remember that, that, that just g- came out, didn't it? Gorillas yeah, had an album before where it was just all created on an yeah, it iPad. Came out in, it came out in two thousand four, so yeah, it was very early. Now Game Theory was 06, I think. No, I meant GarageBand. Oh, GarageBand, yeah, yeah. Did it come out in oh yeah, four? Yeah, oh four. Must yeah. have been on. Yeah, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. Uh, Apart from that, um, I guess some people consider this a return to form, which is fine. Make that point if you want. Um, but it is a very it is back to a very coherent um, back to the essentials, I guess. Um, if you if you want to go down that road, uh, big up Mumu Fresh, my Mumu Yusef on Don't Feel Right, love her to death. Um, a lot of Dice Raw, Malik B on here, which um, never goes amiss. Um, but yeah, I just feel like this is this is one of those albums where I'm listening to it, and I don't feel like there's 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 not a track here that kind of jumps out to me. Uh, maybe don't feel right, uh, but that's only because of Movie Fresh, and I just love Movie Fresh. Um, but it's a very it's a very consistent listen, and um, it doesn't really have a lull for me personally. Um, but it doesn't have a track funny enough um that jumps out and goes hey here's the here's the banger of the album um but you know it has a lot of um it has a lot of in, uh samples interpolations here uh jungle boogie higher players uh, uh don't believe the hype on false media you hear that in places uh jackson five on can't stop uh can't stop this uh but yeah you know and obviously um I think this is the one with the uh, the 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 Dilla d- dedication in it. Um, oh yeah, can't stop this. Yeah, God, fucking hell, they just they just take that Dilla beat, take it to the whole. This is crazy. That's that's a wild track. Okay, there you go. That's the that's the that's the boom track the where it's just bang. like here I am. Here's a banger. Here's a bang for you. Because yeah, it's I feel like as Dilla. Um, as Dilla dedications go, and obviously this was in. Uh, released august 06 so very you know obviously convenient timing um and obviously referencing jay diller a lot in the in the last track and obviously takes a uh which which beat is it uh don't time donut to the uh, the donut of the heart there you go that's obviously the that's the tune right there but um yeah they they basically loop that and black thought just goes over it and over and over it for eight minutes and um it's a very worthy um dedication as it is, um, so yeah. So it's, it's again. Don't know where the game theory element comes in. Trying to think about that, but um, yeah, as an album itself, it's a very it's, it's back to that consistent element towards uh, Bother Rusar, where it's just consistently good. Yeah, this album has always fascinated me because it showed another example of the roots succeeding in a mainstream realm whilst trying to maintain themselves as the antithesis of this, and. 
I think it's no more starkly or concisely explained by Jay-Z, who did sign Roots to Def, to Def Jam when he was the president, and he oversaw the release of this album. And he simply said to them, uh, you're the Roots, why wouldn't I want to sign you? And who cares what you sell first week? Far more important is the music and the process. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that, those are Jay-Z's words. He's spoken evocatively about his love for the group and his desire when signing them to ensure that they weren't concerned with commercial benchmarks. Jay-Z has said that, and I think it was in Decoded he said it, um, he didn't want to be the one that fucked the roots up, basically. And I've knowing the Jimmy Iovine story now makes more sense because maybe it was him directly referring to that where the roots may have said to him we felt like we made an album for jimmy Iovine and we don't want to do that anymore and so jay-z was like well don't just do whatever you want and they did and you know the mid-2000s was a dark time politically and socially in the u.s you know still two years away from obama in 06 bush was just fucking up constantly Kanye West stood up on TV and just said George Bush doesn't care about black people and the response was overwhelming agreement. The war in Iraq was a complete fuck up and the reasons for America being in the Middle East had long since ceased to be relevant even if there was any truth to them in the first place. And all of that was left of what it was was just stark contrast. It was control, power and dominance and seeking cheap oil and seeking further influence and game theory deals with all of this home and abroad Questlove said this to Rolling Stone in this day and age I'm kind of noticing that nobody in urban music really has the balls to just stop partying for one second I mean partying is good and whatnot it's cool to get down but I really think that 2006 calls for a very serious record this isn't the Debbie Downer record the political save the world record but this is definitely not the MC based battle-themed album that The Roots have been known for. This is our most serious record to date. And that would be the case with every subsequent record from here on in. They would all get more and more serious and The Roots would become more and more like a concept band and less and less like just, you know... I'm not going to say a jam band, but like that's kind of the energy you get where it's a tight jam band and you get some real tight fucking and classic tracks out of it. But they sound like they're getting in the studio and just, you know... But this, now they start sounding like, and then we get Rising Down, now they start sounding like fucking concept album band. Yeah. Yeah, incredibly. Um, this, uh, with that said, um, all, all this album, uh, all this album, all this, all what you can uh, decipher from this album, uh, if you if you enjoy synths, you'll, you'll like this. If you don't enjoy synths, you won't like this. Because fuck me, there's a ton of synths That's on this right, fucking yeah. album. <laughs> I don't mind synths. But this t- it took me a while to get over it uh, on this album. I was just listening, I'm just like, not liking the synths. And it just came, just kept coming and coming. I'm just like, still, still don't really like the synths. Can we please stop with the synths? <laughs> <laughs> it's so annoying when that happens and you're like, no, no, oh. no, 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 stop. Stop doing it. <laughs> I was like, oh, please don't let this be the thing. Like, is this the thing for the album? Oh, fuck. Um, but literally, he says, uh, Questlove goes, is an electric record more synthy? Yeah, no shit. You ain't kidding. You ain't fucking kidding. Um, but yeah, I, I got over it, I think, at some point, um, you know, just in terms of just letting it be there, you know? I was, I still don't like it, to be honest. I'd rather not have it there and replace the something else, but um, it, I didn't let it get in the way. Let's just say that. Um, but you know, with that said, the title track with uh, uh, with most stars P, Dice, Raw, Bangs. Fucking great uh, song. At that. 15, which is under a minute, but it's just so 
provocative um, and uh, so evocative, I meant to say, um, of, of uh, Black Thought of 15 rapping. Absurd. I, I can't believe he's at fi- rapping at 15 in this and he sounded so fucking good. Um, criminal. Oh, damn, that track hits. Jesus Christ, the lyrics on that track hits so damn hard. I might read a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, lyrically a very incredible album i think um definitely when it gets into that obviously like you said that concept part of the of the of the of their careers and just talking about well in this criminal track uh it is what it is because of what it of what it was i did what i did because it does what it does i don't put nothing above what i am what i love my family my blood my city my hood I hate it for the greater good. I'm back from Hollywood. I ain't changed the lick, though I know I probably should. Just Black Thought and others just getting into, you know, why they're criminals right, in some way. And it's so, it's kind of a, uh, the concept itself is very fascinating uh, on that track, especially. Um, but yeah, man, the darkness just comes through on this particular album. I mean, just for the fucking, just the album cover itself, you know, is fuck. <laughs> I don't think I need to explain that one where that comes from, where that kind of uh, iconography comes from. Hopefully, I don't need to. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a couple of tracks I'm not a fan of here. Get busy, not in, not in, not too uh, interested in the hook for that. Uh, Rising up, I don't yeah, Chris and Michelle and Wale. I was kind of in the middle. Um, but yeah, there's, there's there are some absolute tunes on here. Um, the show with Ky- uh, Common again. And dice raw, but uh, yeah, man, just getting into that that just that seriousness is is <laughs> is is a very when you go back to back between this and the tipping point, uh, very very sobering. Different records, man. Different records. So, Questlove yeah, departure record. You picked up on it, man. You you picked up on it. Questlove said about this about the sound. It's an electric record, more synthy. That's literally what he said. He said, the darks are darker and the lights are lighter, but all I know is making quality hip-hop stylistically. We try to do something we never did before. Kamal had to be the sacrificial lamb this time. The one instrument that has defined the roots has been the Fender Rhodes. This is the first year he's had to change his instrumentation and try other sounds out. We have a bunch of keyboards and synthesizers we're using on this record. It feels like the musical equivalent of Blade Runner sometimes. We've also added a horn section. So, you know, you can, of course, see why Questlove was initially hesitant to collaborate with Jay-Z by now because this album, again, is the antithesis of everything that Def Jam put out in 2008. So listen to these albums, right? 808s by Kanye, uh, Exit 13 by LL, Ludacris's Theater of the Mind, Nas's Untitled, which is probably more in line with this, to be 100% fair, uh, Rick Ross's Triller, Young Jeezy's The Recession, we also got albums from Neo, Mariah Carey, Rihanna, and then comes Rising Down by the Roots, which Questlove describes lyrically as the most incendiary political album of our career to date. Add up the crime and high school dropout rates in Philadelphia, plus being in your mid-30s and working 300 nights a year, and this being an election year, that's what this album is about. And the Roots were getting angrier as they got older and more successful, and they were still successful. Number six on the Billboard 200 which was now their fourth top 10 in five albums, which is mad. By the way, Phrenology went number 28. They went like number four, number 28, number four, which is very weird. But yeah, man, this is this is wild. Like to have another commercially successful album, especially one as, as dark and as dense as this, 
it's unheard of really it's unprecedented and then we get how i got over which yeah man this is the album this is an album that this is my most listened to roots album yeah probably mine as well um there was this at this is kind of like the first time i was getting into the roots maybe not this particular year of it the year of it drop in 2010 but um years after i don't know i don't know why i just gravitated to this i don't know whether something hit shuffle and gave me these tracks but um uh radio days with blue on there as well heat how i got over with dice raw the day with blue and fonte and patty crash great fucking song doing it again the fire with john legend i don't know why i had those tracks on my regular rotation but i really did at one point or another and i still love them listening to them now like i haven't listened to them in years but Gosh, they started. I just remember why I listened to them and why I enjoyed them so much. Um, but you know, past that, uh, there's great stuff all over this, and um, I feel like this album is um, just so near perfect in in some ways. Um, I, I, I love the I love the sounds. Is less synths, <laughs> um, but. Is uh it it I guess it kind of goes back right? Is depart? I love how the departures are kind of just another way of going back. Um, but you know you have some soul, got some funk, got some gospel neo soul elements in here, and they just go so well. They just go so freaking well. I love this album to death. Um, I love a lot of these tracks to death. Um, just from a uh just from a nostalgic standpoint. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I, I don't think this album really got to, uh, got to, got the gas that it, what, that it should have, um, to be honest. Um, I don't, I didn't see any 10 year, uh, celebrations for this album or anything like that. Um, was, oh, oh my gosh, Eminem beat him again. <laughs> what with recovery? <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah, with recovery. <laughs> oh dear. Dear, oh dear, oh dear. See, that tells oh, you again no. all just, you fucking I love need it. to know. Bro, that uh, album is so garbage. The Grammys, man. Outstanding. Oh, just, the Grammys just always just find a moment to show their ass. I'm um, not yeah, afraid man. to take <laughs> stairs. <laughs> I got on vinyl Oh, somewhere. gosh. Absolutely. But yeah, um, yeah I, I, love, I love this album. It's great. It's a great album. And it's super tight as well. Just need to say 42 minutes. Oh, yes. Oh, love it. The wild thing is I can't listen to this album anymore because I played it too much. I overplayed this album. Genuinely, when this album came out, I was like, this is fucking amazing. And it's a, it's a departure record. It feels more centered in R&B and gospel, this album. This is my my experience, their first album that's really sounded like this. And 86 review average. You know, it has its own spirituality on this album. It's It's religious without needing to preach, I think. The music and the lyrics speak for themselves. Walk Alone, such a stunning song. Fonte popping up multiple times is a joy on here. And I think you could view this album in two ways because it dropped the year after they began their residency as Jimmy Fallon's in-house band. Now, you could be cynical and say they only made this album to appease their new America-wide mainstream audience. And I wouldn't be against you on that. You know, it is definitely not the most challenging album sonically or lyrically or conceptually. It is a different album to their previous two. It does not feel anywhere near as dark or as, you know, politically and socially conscious. Or you could just say it's a departure record from a departure band. And their next two albums prove this was not a cash grab at all. It was a seismic stylish shift. 
Um, and I think the answer could be both. And I'd be shocked if even Questlove knew which one it was because I think they're both equally true. And I'm certain the thought crept into their minds that, you know, maybe we should make an album for our new fans from Jimmy Fallon. So I don't know, man. Either way, it doesn't really matter. I think it's it's fucking solid. It's a really, really fucking good album. Um, and then we get Undone and, and then In You Shoot Your Cousin, which are very different albums. Um, yeah. Uh, I, th- I feel like I... There, there's something about Undone that I feel like I'm missing uh, when Both I listen to it. To me, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, well, yeah, I guess so. If we're bunching them both up, um, there's, there's, there's a, there's a, just a, uh, there's a soullessness about, and then you shoot your cousin that comes through with me, um, just to, just to get, just to get the leap, my least favorite out of the way first, because it is, um, it's, it's such a, it's such a, it feels hollow to me at times. I'm listening to it and I'm just trying to, I, I'm trying to find, get something out of it and I just can't. Um, but with that said, I do love tomorrow with Raheem Devon at the last uh, at, the, at the end of it. I love the I love that. It's a great track. I love it. It's just something. Um, I don't know. It kind of gives me, uh, kind of gives me this like end of a end of a TV series kind of kind of essence uh, when I listen to that, and it's just people recovering from uh, something traumatic that's just happened. Um, but undone, I kind of. I, 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 yeah, I just couldn't. I don't know what I could. You know, again, the 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 themes, short life as a fictional character, Redford Stevens, set in urban poverty, and I guess told through the reverse chronology, right? And I guess you have to kind of go in with that, which I didn't. Uh, with that said, uh, I was just listening to it, and without that, uh, without the particular. Because it is very layered, I feel. Um, I love the other side as a track, just listening to it in general. I like listening to it. Um, that's how I'm basically just talking about this album. Make My with Big Crit, monster Big Crit performance on there. Fontaine one time as well. Um, by the way, why is there a dude called Porn? Been meaning to say this for a while. Yeah. <laughs> why is there Great a dude porn. called Porn? No, no, okay. Don't know why. It just always throws me off. I'm just like, why is there a dude called porn? Craig Paul. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's yeah. The, with the with the, I didn't go into this with the with the concept in mind. With the uh with the reverse chrono- chronology as well. Um, it it does it throws you off when you don't know it. Um, personally, um, maybe it's maybe maybe you maybe you get it immediately. Who knows? Uh good for you bully for you but uh, I, I just didn't um i like the neo soul elements i wasn't really too into the indie elements i guess and uh yeah it's um yeah cousin kind of just comes across as just um very hollow to me uh when listening to it but um undone i guess it was just something that uh i probably just didn't get at first and if i listened to it again i'd probably get it um but yeah, it's it, it's a really it's stark contrast, stark contrast to like Illadelph. <laughs> it's so it's a really stark contrast those two albums from earlier works, and um, not for the better for me personally. Um, but yeah, man, it's just uh, it, 
it's, it, it requires a lot of legwork for you for for uh, to the listener um i think to actually enjoy find enjoyment in these albums yeah definitely and uh, look these two albums are concept albums proper tight concept albums in the sense of you know like for example there's a difference between a concept album and a loose concept album uh slim shady lp is a loose concept album you know slim shady is eminem's alter ego one of his three personalities but the album has eminem and marshall mathers songs on it you know it has if i had rock bottom so that's a loose concept album and that's not a criticism by the way that's just the damn is a tight concept album it's a it's an album so tight that the entire album everything feeds into yeah. the narrative and the narrative works backwards and forwards. it's that is the definition of a tight concept album and right. the roots have become one of the key parts of the concept album scene i think and undone is their first like genuine entry and the album is based around the fictional person Redford Stevens, named from a Safian Stevens song. And Wikipedia's explanation is, its reverse chronological narrative discusses his short tragic life set in urban po- poverty. And the plot is quite long, it's quite intricate, it's quite dense, but what amounts to me is a pretty weak album to me. It, it feels lyrically tight, but the sparseness of instrumentals is really jarring at times. You kind of lollying through these weird spaces with the roots and just misses it, missing that energy and urgency of their previous work um and by this stage they're relying too heavily for me on greg porn and dice raw you know when they first began popping up on roots albums it was mildly interesting to hear another mc alongside black thought but by this stage in roots yeah. discography anyone that isn't black thought or malik b is going to sound pretty out of place and genuinely well, they it was probably because malik was out of there at some one point right isn't it? well yeah i mean yeah and and, and they just uh, plugged in dyson well he had four <laughs> malik b had four albums and then he came back for one of them either game theory yeah. or one of the one maybe t- no, yeah, it wasn't either t- game theory or rising down yeah it was one of those two and so you know and then that leads into then shoot your cousin and i remember this album like so vividly because this was when i really started consuming music press and interviews and everyone was interviewing the roots about this this album and everyone was saying this was the album that was going to save hip-hop and it was you know this really dense conceptual album but it was the typical conversation around like mainstream hip-hop it was like oh you made a concept album that must mean it's good because concept albums are good and everyone was just like they didn't listen to the album almost it was just like yes concept album hip-hop album by the roots beloved band has to be good must be good and it's just not it's their worst album to me uh i I can't even explain why there's no energy there's no the the album never gets going it just every time there's even a, a stretch of something you're like oh yeah it just disappears and then you've got these long stretches of what feels like nothingness it's very it's just boring to me it really is and it you have to admire it for its bravery because it's the opposite to where they could have gone i mean i guess being on jimmy fallon afforded them the, the luxury of just creating whatever album they wanted to because they didn't need commercial success at that point they were probably financially very stable by just popping up on that show every night so they could just create whatever they wanted. Still, this album went number 11 on the Billboard 200 in 2014. Not an easy feat. So it's a bit bit disappointing that we, you know, we kind of, it's been, what, nine years now, and our last 
Roots, straight up Roots album was this. And it's fascinating to see where they have been because they haven't really been anywhere. Black Thought's been doing his own thing. Questlove's been doing his own thing. And there's not a heap of talk about the Roots coming back together and dropping an album. And there's not a lot of talk about it in terms of people wanting it and saying, when are the Roots going to drop an album? It, it's it's weird. It, it's a bit shocking to me. I think because Black Thought continues to keep us satiated with, you know, what was that album he dropped last? Was it last year that he dropped the album? And it was fucking amazing. Cheat codes. Cheat codes. Holy shit. That was a fucking great fucking album. So maybe that's why people aren't aren't that that desperate for a new Roots album. I'm not sure. Yeah, because I feel... Um, and this is something I feel is... Some people think this. Maybe not everybody. But I do... I personally feel this. Um... I think you mentioned earlier about uh, Quest maybe, you know, bringing the group down or whatever. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's funny you say that because I feel like Black Thought was dimming himself for the for whatever the group had I, to make. I don't disagree with that. Don't disagree. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> Don't disagree. Uh, I'll take it. Um, you're not wrong. Okay, I'll take it. Uh, because no, bro, you listen when when Streams of Thought Volume One came out. That was the first solo Black Thought anything produced by Ninth Wonder and the Soul Council. Had shit like Dostoevsky on there with Rhapsody on it. I listened to that shit and I was like, "Fuck, Black Thought is." going <laughs> he's just going then he did the second one with salam rebbe and that was decent then he did the cheat codes with danger mouse did that recent one with el michelle's affair i love that one it's good super underrated um even in this early time um i'm sure there's another one in there that i forget but um black thought has been going off and I just feel like, not shackles, it's, you know, it's not anything that deep, like, oh, he's been handcuffed to the roots all this time, now he can truly shine. But I feel like there's a freedom that he's experiencing right now, lyrically, where he's just going off and absolutely barring. Now, there are moments in the roots discography where he's barring, and he's barring all the time, you know, obviously, right? But there are, you know, certain tracks, uh, there's one on uh, How I Got Over, I think it's in Doing It Again, he's barring on that one. For me personally, uh, thought at work on phrenology, um, you know, there's just there's tracks here and there where it's literally just black thought going off. That's all the track is. It's just that it's a track freestyling at this point. I don't know if he is, but it just feels like that, right? Um, it just lends to that hot ninety seven freestyle that he did for ten minutes. It just gives off that essence, right? Um, but with all that said, I would love a new Roots album, and here's how I'd like to have it. Um, I would like it in the vein of like a Gorillaz, where it's just, if they do, Ooh, okay. you know, just say, let's just say they do like three albums over the next 10 years, right? Just hypothetically. Um, just hypothetically, three albums over the next 10 years, and there's just a litany of features that come on with them. Because I would love, I would love, because obviously before, all of the features are kind of just kin, kinfolk, really, isn't it? Like, you've got the commons, the Erica Bar. Well, they kind of... The pe- we lost, they got people they know. We lost the features. Sit, like, there was a, there was a period That's of what I'm saying. two or three albums, and then they just disappeared. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. After, and, you know, we <laughs> factually, you know, it's kind of incorrect since, you know, Raheem's on Shoot Your Cousin and... 
um, and the uh, Mercedes Martinez and yeah, a lot you know of dice raw. Mean. You know what we mean. I, but I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I'm just saying factually. The features. You know, whatever. But the features, right? The commons, Yassine, Talib, right? I would love for them to just branch the fuck out and just ring up some people, ring up little Sims, ring up little Kana, ring up uh, fucking uh, Red Veil, some shit like that. I don't know. Just ring some people up. Do it like do it like Damon Albarn's doing, bruv, and just, just freak the fuck out. Get some African artists in there. Do something like that. I don't know. Just go worldwide with it because they can do that. They have the they have the roller decks. They have the numbers they can call. I would love for that just experimental element to just run wild and just see and just work with other artists just to see where they would want to go for a particular track. Because having Black Thought and Laurel Connor, for example, would be so fascinating. Um, just for example, but. Yeah, I, I, that's that's a that's how I'd like if the roots ever came back. I would love for them to do it in that fashion because they do, but 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 they honestly they probably that probably won't happen because they're very rooted to the kinfolk, and I'm cool with that. I'm, I'm I love that. That's kind of one reason why I love the roots so much is that they they have their people and they just stick with them. Um, they they come and go, but they stick with them. You see them play. You see them play live, and they have the same people from like ten, fifteen years ago. Um, it's cool. It's great. I love that. Um, I would just love if you're gonna do anything different. If you're gonna departure, <laughs> which is a motif for clearly here, then you know, go worldwide, man. Just uh, just build up some people that you fuck with. I know Quest loves listening to some new shit. I know Quest loves listening to some different shit. I know Black Thoughts listen to some different shit. I'm sure they are. Get some get some jazz artists. Get like Lakeisha Benjamin on there. Get some uh uh fucking hell. Get some Joel Ross, for example, Brandy Younger doing some harp on there. Fuck. The my the the, the ideas are endless. Black Thought, get on my get Quest Love, get on my fucking phone, bruv. Get on my line. I got you. I'll put you on. Not to them, but I'll put you on to people that you should call. Well Questlove does listen <laughs> to I'm... this podcast. I know that. So <laughs> There's a genuine chance that, that might happen. Just we'll put Charlie's <laughs> phone number in now. If you just say your phone number Email now, Charlie. Me geez we'll, is in the full description. We'll get, <laughs> hit me up. DM me, brother. You know what it reminds me um, of? I got you. You know what it reminds me of we'll when you were it. talking? It made me think of evidence and dilated peoples where he yeah. explicitly said what I think Black Thought is probably doing. He said I needed to step away from dilated peoples. Yeah. We all needed yeah. to to kind of and yeah. then they came back for Definitely. Directors of Photography, which was, what, eight years Hang after on. their previous album. And as I and said, you know, they needed to go away and discover themselves as individual artists before they could come back and create oh, yeah. something different as Dilated oh, yeah. Peoples. And whilst Directors oh, yeah. of Photography isn't, you know, super different, it definitely is a different a different energy. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I fully agree with you. And, yeah, I, I think that that would be fucking sick if they did that whole 100%. All right, let's quickly rank the Roots albums, uh, just because uh, I wanted to, and uh, I'm I, I was I've, re- I've for the record I am correct that this should have been two parts because we have cracked two hours. Very yeah, funny. well, I didn't expect to, but I I didn't I didn't actually prepare much. This I, I was expected my, to, but here we this are. This is my shortest podcast I've written in like a year. Like it's way shorter <laughs> than a normal one, but yeah, Charlie had a lot to say. I'm, I'm stoked. I did, bro. Oh shit! You should see next week. Fuck. <laughs> Wait till that shit. I'm 
be fucking. I'm, I'll be flapping my gums. All right, let's rank. All right, I'm gonna go. go Phrenology is number one for me. How I got Ooh. over is number two for me. Um, then I'm going with the tipping point at number three. I just like it. Okay, I All like right. it. Yeah. I like yeah. mid two thousands. I like it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going game theory at number four. I'm going mm-hmm. Illadelph Half Life at number five. Uh, things fall mm-hmm. apart at number six. I think Rising Down at number seven. And those are the albums that I would... And then Do You Want More at number eight. Those are the albums. And Organics at number nine. Those are the albums I would be like, yeah, I, I listen to them regularly. Undone is number 10. And then You Shoot Your Cousin number 11. I can't foresee myself going back to those albums. They're not really... Yeah, not for me. <laughs> okay. Uh, for me, I would start with... Ugh. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go... How I Got Over number one. I'm going to go... E, tough, tough. I'm gonna go Illadelph number two, um, because it's just very easy to put on. Um, I'm gonna go Tipping Point number three. Yeah, I'll go with you on that one to, for Tipping Point number three. Oh, where's Phrenology coming in on this one? Um, I'm gonna put. Uh, I'm gonna put Things Fall Apart number four. Hmm. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Questioning myself. <laughs> Let's just say it. Uh, Phrenology five, game thirty six, rising down seven. Uh, actually, no, 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 no. Uh, do you want more seven? Organics eight, rising down nine, and then uh, have I missed one? Did I say the tipping point? Yeah, I did. Um, and then undone and she cousin. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm I'm gonna listen to Undone again at some point. I'm just gonna try and try and figure it out because I feel like I've I've missed science so much for that. But anyway, um, yeah, fun roots rankings. Uh, I feel like we have. I think uh, apart from maybe Illadelph, uh, there's not much separation there. Well, I got phrenology um, number one, so yeah, for, yeah, phrenology. Yeah, I guess. But, um, but I can, I can understand where you're coming from with that. Um, but yeah, the roots solid episodes. Really enjoy that. That is the roots. Fucking hell! Two two hours and seven minutes. Um, I mean, I I have not, I have not for a lot. I've done <laughs> apart from the interview last last week. I've done pretty much nothing else. Um, just been listening to the roots and uh, sorting out Wi-Fi. And uh, my mum's been doing f- trying to do flooring some di on some DIY shit downstairs. So that's had to be helped and. Yeah, um, I've got nothing else. <laughs> yeah. I've got a few, man. Honestly, pretty freaking boring. Uh, my life's it. been hectic. Threads. Threads kicked off, and oh. I had to get yeah. on it early because I'm a, I'm a brand, and it is one of yeah, the worst awesome. social media apps ever. Like This is why I can't hold a brand for my life, because I ain't doing that. Think, think Instagram, but like take 50 IQ points off that, and then you've got Threads. <laughs> Which is just... Wow, IG's pretty low, though. <laughs> yes, I know it is, Charlie, because I spent a lot of time on there. Threads is the lowest of the low. Like, one of the first feed I saw yesterday when I signed in, the first post on my home feed was complex pop music or something, an account I don't follow, saying, first Saturday on Threads, be like, and it's just a picture of Daniel Craig going, welcome to the weekend on Saturday Night Live. And I'm like, okay. So this is where we're this is where we're at with 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 threads at this point. You've got it, it is 
horrible. It is so shitty. You sign in and you see the six same accounts every fucking time. And they're all posting memes that have been popular for the last 12 months on Twitter and have blown up over there. So you've already seen them 18,000 times. And they weren't funny in the first fucking place. And you're just sitting there like, holy shit, I am losing IQ points every minute I spend on this app. It is so bad. And I sent Charlie a Simpsons clip the other day. The people out there, if they know this clip, they'll know it. And I said, this is literally hip-hop Twitter and threads, and it's that Simpsons episode where Homer's watching TV and Barney's on there going, two plus two is four, two plus two is four, and Homer just starts laughing. He's like, I can see why this is so popular. And I'm like, this is the fucking perfect explanation of hip-hop Twitter. You've got some big account saying, I like music. And everyone's like, holy shit. I like music too. Brain exploded. And I have to respond. I have to respond and respond with, I like music too. You're speaking directly to me. I feel this sense of connection with you. So, oh, bro, Threads is just so fucking shit. Bro, this is how obvious hip-hop Twitter is. The past, like, two days, for me, it's been... Uh, Central C and Ice Spice. Oh yeah, because she mentioned they did a track. They they did a remix on Munch or whatever. Which, by the way, is the most fucking industry sounding track I have ever heard. Um, by literally just having the hottest artists in the US and the hottest artists in the UK just collab, like just match made in industry heaven. Um, and then literally as you as we were talking during this episode, I just checked Twitter right quick, and it's literally just Utopia. Because Travis Scott obviously hype Utopia, oh, yeah, and awesome. basically it's just people like, "Oh, what features? What features do you want on it? How long do you think it'll be? Do you think he'll do this? Like, it's just, it's so, it's so rinse and repeat. Oh, my it's days. so depressing. It it's so obvious. I'm, I'm minor. waiting. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna. As soon as Ben hops off this, hops off this, he's gonna do a Utopia tweet. It's gonna happen. I don't know what it is, but he's gonna do a Utopia tweet. He's gonna do a Travis Scott related tweet. He's gonna check the thing. He's gonna like go. All right, let me do this just for just to you know get my get my two cents in. It's not and, two uh, cents. Get my... It's to get my clicks in, bro. I don't give a it's shit. To get your clicks in. I need the clicks. <laughs> I need the engagement. Just slapping his fucking arm, ready for it right now. I'm, that's 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 not me doing that. That's him doing that. He's slapping his arm. He's about to inject for some clicks. He's gonna. He's typing up Utopia tweet right now as we speak. He's looking down at his screen. You can't see it, ladies and gentlemen. But he's, he's looking down at his screen. <laughs> I'm he's looking in my for head, it. Bro, just relax. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing nothing. While Charlie was talking, uh, I was playing Boggle. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't setting up a tweet, man. Fucking like, Boggle. Oh god. I got it. I got to do it. I've got. I've got a vinyl. I know you're going to man. do it. I got a vinyl sponsorship. I, I have to, to get you my, do. You do. my numbers up. So if anyone wants for the, the next five days, if you use code HHN20, you get 20% off at vinyl.com. And uh, they, Big respect. they give me they give me kickback for that. So And kickback has a negative connotation, but Fantano uses it all the time. I just mean like, you know, they give me credits if you buy records using my code. So go ahead and use it. But no, I don't disagree, man. I'm, I'm, I don't even know if I'm going to tweet today. It is so... You know what it is? It's difficult to do well because I don't want to tweet about 90% of the shit I tweet about. And that sounds really disingenuous, but that's just the way it is. Like, if I want to tweet about something, I want to, you know what I want to do? I want to go through 
uh, LOX's albums and see who gets the most lyrics and who raps the first verse the most. But if I do that, I'll get 12 likes on it and everyone will be like, well, How man, many times is D-Block? Hip-hop numbers it- fell off. But, you know, I don't want to fall off. I want to I want to be popular as well as intellectual at the same time. I, I'm towing the line here, man. I'm towing the line. I respect the line tone. I do roast you often for it, but it's I do well respect deserved, the line though. tone. well-deserved, though. I don't... Because I just refuse to... T- <laughs> I just refuse to- I can't be asked. <laughs> I, I just don't care. Charlie I, roasts I me and I fall I really asleep don't. on a bed of calm because I have 350,000 followers <laughs> and I'm like, I need this in my life. I need validation in my life. External validation. I need it. I need it. Uh, just year on... I, f- I hope, I hope statistically year on year I tweet less because <laughs> I remember a time where I tweeted constantly and it was just utter shit, just pointless garbage just being thrown out into the ether, just a waste of yep. eye space, yep. just a waste of finger typing, yep. waste of energy in every single way. Uh, hopefully my numbers just, you know, consistently dropping me actually engaging and shit. Um, but who knows? Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we shall leave it there on the Fifth End Podcast Network. It's been Digging Digits. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. I would try to tell the Fifth Element. I've been Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. Follow me on Threads. Follow me on <laughs> Threads. You have to add that to the intro now. <laughs> yeah, I do. I Twitter do. and Instagram and Threads. Fucking hell. <laughs> and YouTube. And YouTube. <laughs> and YouTube. TikTok's income. Actually, I do have uh, an interview dropping this week um, with Vinyl.com. Hey. I've recorded the video. Nice. It's uploaded to YouTube. It's currently unlisted, and I'm having a meeting today, and hopefully it will go up in the next couple of days. And it's me going through my 10 of my favorite vinyl records, so it's pretty fucking cool. That's I'm, cool. Um, yeah. All right. All right. That's cool. I'll, I'll actually be uh, intrigued to see what that is. Um, Top five of all time next week. I am fucking gassed. You have no idea how fucking gassed I am for next week. Oh my days. Personal top five, dead or alive. St- Finally. Just, just wait, just wait. Finally, just wait, Lil Wayne app. Like, after all this. Th- <laughs> ah, you knew I was going to say it, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I teed you up. I, 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 threw, I threw up. You dumped it home. I knew you could. <laughs> Alright, until until then, hope you'll have a good week. We shall always try and do the same, but until the next time take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. Alright, peace. The Ganin Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me, music for the show. It's a piece of video games about bonus points. Thanks to Chill Music for the ability to use. Social to Fenomen Hip Hop by Numbers Bonus Points Sensual Music will be in the full show notes as well as the names of projects reviewed wherever you're listening. This has been a 5e PM production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time on Digging in the Digging.